Hello, friends. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Improv and Magic. I'm your host, LD Madeira, and folks, I am excited, excited about today's episode because today, in this special two hour episode, I get to talk to two of the most amazing and well known performers in improv. They are the incredible team of Tara DeFrancisco and Rance Rizzuto. Tara and Rance are the stars of their own duo musical improv show called Hear the Musical, which has been performed in 24 countries around the world. They own and operate the Nest Theater in Ohio, and they run a four-day camping experience called the Improv Retreat, which they've been running since 2012. I have been fortunate enough to watch these two in action, and I've had the honor and privilege of getting to know both of them and learn from them as well. There is so much joy and laughter in this episode. I had an amazing time with them, and you'll hear how passionate they are, not just for what they do, but sharing it with others and inspiring everyone. In this episode, you'll also hear from their two wonderful dogs, Clark and Anderson. Around the beginning of this episode, you'll hear that Tara and Rance's contractor arrived, which causes the dogs to start barking. And after that, well, they just couldn't seem to stop. But I figured, hey, why cut them out? Let's make them part of the show too. Well, I hope you're ready to be amazed by these two wonderful and beautiful people. So let's get started. Ladies and gentlemen, here are my guests. Tara DeFrancisco and Rance Rizzuto. It is with so much joy in my heart that I get to say that joining me now are two of the most amazing people I've had the pleasure of meeting, Tara and Rance. How are you doing, guys? Awesome. We're good. Yeah, it's so good to see you. My goodness, it is so good to see you guys. I mean, you two are just always happy people, which is what I also love. <laughs> well, we try our best. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I could have done this with just either one of you, but for me, if I did that, it wouldn't have really felt right to me because I tend to think of you two as one, really. You know, I can't think of Tara without thinking about Rance and can't think about Rance without thinking about Tara. Yeah. It, is that, do you think that's normal for you guys? Are you two commonly looked at as one unit all the time, wherever you go? Gosh, I feel like, I feel like we're maybe not always seen as one, but we're like kind of a symbiotic pair. Whereas I like often where I am, Rance might be and often where Rance is, I might be probably because even when we were friends way back in the day, 20 years ago, a lot of our projects were shared. I would yeah. say, I mean, we certainly have, independent work but it's it's uh it seems like a lot of our stuff is in in tandem yeah especially after starting a theater together it's just kind of like um it, the flow is better for for a, a, an easy explanation like even with uh with classes for a while in our training center like it, it became kind of like i would teach two and she would teach three and we've just sort of like f fallen in this better pattern of like we will teach them and it's more fun to be there together uh when we can 
That's I true. I think when you're raising a community too, and you're kind of trying to get a community barn raising to happen, like meaning there was a community here in, in CBUS, as we call it. Uh, but when we moved from Chicago, we were so used to teaching independently and certainly still doing in some projects. But I think that when we were kind of like fostering this sort of small community into becoming what is now a way much, much larger community in Columbus. Um, it, it just became more interesting to have both of our eyes on everyone. So we could be kind of shepherding them into their own cool truth and experimental art, you know, that we could see everyone at the same time and, and like laugh with them alongside rather than kind of at them from one angle or another. Yeah. I've certainly had the pleasure of having uh, some workshops with you guys and that definitely comes through whenever you're, you're teaching us and you're guiding us, you do have that sense where you're here to laugh with us and, and enjoy our time with us, which is, it's always such a, a special moment. Um, when you teach workshops and when you teach improv to different people, what are some of the things that you're trying to get across to them? Mm, I, I think there's a lot of, uh, well, there's a lot of little nuanced things that we're, we're, we're not so much trying to get across to them, but we're trying to get them to get rid of that have already been like ingrained in them. But for the most yeah. part, we're, we're trying to like, if anything could be said about our motto and our theater's motto, it's who are these people and how do they feel about each other? Meaning people seem to have difficulty trusting that they can just present two characters who feel a way about each other. And that's enough. Uh, every, it seems like, so many different uh, factors coming into play. We usually say like, you've been watching movies and watching TV and reading books and they all have the conflict and the situation and the premise that need to be fixed. And so when you don't know what to do, your brain has all that data and leans on that, but your brain forgets to create characters who care and are, or, or, or don't care vehemently uh, <laughs> about each other. That does seem to be the wave of the future. I mean, it certainly it certainly um, helped us when we were young guns kind of being like, how do we figure out, you know, the game of the scene or like sort of the the playfulness and pattern of the scene. And that stuff to us feels like the icing on the cake, meaning meaning that I, I've kind of adapted this. Rance and I were just talking about this weirdly, but we were kind of teaching our level three students, which is sort of our actors unit um, that basically the protein of the scene is the relationship between two people and their sugar of the scene is the game or the pattern or the play that goes on top of that. And the challenge of that is if you don't have protein first, you don't want sugar. And if you have sugar for, I'm sorry, if you, if you don't have protein first, you won't earn the sugar. And if you have sugar first, you don't often want protein. So the audience will kind of learn that they don't have to, invest in your relationship because they're getting sort of like dappled by these gamey tricks. Mm -hmm. But the hard part is when the sugar wears out, it's just like a sugar crash. It's like, there's nothing to talk about. So we've sort of implemented this design in our program that feels robust in the way that it's like, are we, are we really investing in the humans that are in the scene or characters should limited humans that are in the scene and do they have real feelings towards one another mm -hmm. that can be capitalized upon so that we've earned the play um similar to even like that's a lot of long form that we do at our theater but even in short form same thing that 
sometimes people do the actual game gimmick to cover up the scene work of the scene. And it seems like scene work should be fundamentally solid and just for it to have earned the like play of the mechanic of a short form game. So all those things translate across the board. We have like a core curriculum that you go through all these units and then you can spin out to your, your favorite alleyway. Basically we call them like a bliss path. You can take a bliss path. If you like, I like short form more than um, musicals or I like, you know, Harold's more than sketch, whatever. It's like, you can kind of choose your lane, but you have to have the fundamentals of that. Who are these people and how do they feel? Like Rance was saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've also gotten to teach people not just in here in the United States, but also in different parts of the world. Yeah, Do you yeah. notice a difference in different countries, the way people take to improv? Oh, hell yeah. For sure. For and sure. Do it's, tell. It's very, it's also very like country based. I'd say like yeah. you, can, you can see clear distinctions. I think that we've talked a number of times about how a lot of it's really advantageous. Like a lot of, European improvisers, for example, are really trained in Johnstone. So meaning that they have like short form and platform and things like that and kind of the belly. So that when we went over there to teach Harold, for example, or teach musicals, for example, there was sort of this undefined space where people were kind of like ready to lean into it. The advantage of that is short formers are great at like picking up play. So if they haven't done long form yet, then they can kind of start to, they just have to like enrich the relationship because it's not done in three minutes often. So it, it just was kind of like digging into the hearts of the characters that were being played and then letting them have back what they're already good at. So it was a lot of that. We also noticed, like Rance was saying, that some countries are better at, like we taught in Estonia. Like we had gone on about that for a long time. We taught in Estonia for a while and they were really good at being like very physical. Uh, they were like almost like, Commedia dell'arte when we first got there that it was like very clowny um and in a way that like america is missing i think uh that could be looked at as a detriment but it only kind of like made the stage more appealing and in germany we taught there for a number of times and it was all all of them were really good at being okay with things not necessarily being comedic it was like Hmm. The drama of improv was like already in their bones because of like these like old playwrights and stuff they had all studied. So it was, they were just more willing to kind of like let it be what it was rather than like have that adrenaline <laughs> fueled nightmare that we all can have if like the audience isn't laughing here. I, do you have you noticed anything else right, like that? No, that's like the same, the same, the same vibe. And I apologize if you uh, 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 begin edit mark i had to take a call from our electrician right as you were saying that, so I that. <laughs> um, <Thank you. laughs> but uh i i a thing that i've noticed is a lot of people in european countries have taken the herald from the io intensive did you talk about mm-hmm. that i i said we went over there for that but not not that it was io specific great so i uh uh i've seen uh, a lot of people probably went to the io intensive learned the Herald and then was did their best to take it back. So you mm-hmm. kind of see this, each country is kind of a seed of the, the person who could remember what they could remember. And, <laughs> and so every, every place that had someone already doing the Herald, they all had their own different versions that were like, Oh, there's the other guy. Hold on. Here it is. Uh, <laughs> pause, you everybody. Yes, you get it. No problem. Do your thing. Do your thing. 
Hang tight. That was, my best, that was my best story. <laughs> Hold on. I got to go help because I got to wrangle the dogs. Yeah, right. yeah. Go for it. Go for it. Oh, guys, come here. Come, 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 come. Okay, LD. All right. <laughs> uh, here's the deal. Good news and good news, we think mostly, but uh one of our contractors isn't coming now. So this is like better. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's it's raining. There's so someone in our house. They were gonna have okay. to they were gonna dig the but, fridge outside. Yeah, it's so raining. you would have heard like they would have been like Right in the middle of a great story, you would have heard like. Ah. <laughs> now at least we're, like, we're in the clear. We think. Cool. So where were we? <laughs> uh, here, I'll start. I'll start over. Like uh, just to Harold Stuffin. Yeah. Yeah. Just I'm so... totally leaving this in, by the way, because I think it's great. <laughs> <laughs> we should say we were should say like... we're building it. We're building a tiny house, and it's uh, we have yeah. like no less than six contractors at our house, and LD's being the most gracious host. In America. When we, were, when we were gone, were you like, uh, this is a good time to say uh, this podcast brought to you by NordVPN. NordVPN. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love it. Get your mattress. <laughs> yeah, if I can start doing commercials, that's the perfect place to add it. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, you I need was... cereal? Go to Magic Spoon. Anyway. <laughs> Magic Spoon cereal. <laughs> Great time to take uh, Anyway. Yeah. So the gist of what I was saying before we were so uh, knowingly interrupted by what we expected to be interrupted by. <laughs> um, the a lot of people from other countries have come to Chicago to learn improv, to learn the Herald, and then they take their knowledge back to their country, and they become sort of like the mm, prophet of uh, of of improv and teach what they know. But you'll have like in Germany where they didn't remember group game diversity so well so when they do a group game they all do the same thing together or uh or what have you like someone forgets how to do the beats or someone forgets that like uh, we should have emotion or so it's like each each city or each country kind of had their own vibe going on of like here's our 75 percent of what the herald is and here's your 75 percent yeah they're, they're doing a good job and it's also like basically what old folklore was meaning like it's stories passed from person to person but now it's just this like kind of improv pedagogy which is cool because in a way it's sort of birthed something new i mean you could argue that things get forgotten and that's that's true if you're being like really precious about the old ways but also when people forget things they have to adapt so that they sort of make new things happen because there is no old way. So there's advantages too. There's like a lot of really interesting innovation when people don't have tradition. You know, it's it's like a nice thing for us to see, especially in the world where we're trying to build like a kind of new style of theater. It's exciting to have like be reverent of the old, but not be precious about everything, you know? Yeah. Well, I do see that happening a lot even here in the States where – Somebody will learn something and then try to pass it down. And, of course, it, it's kind of like the game Telephone. Like, it gets yeah. passed along, and then it's not really the same thing. But, you know, while people may say, well, you're not doing it correctly, there's a lot of growth that can come from that because you get the opportunity mm -hmm. to create something new that we didn't expect. You can create a new type of herald that we, exactly. that we never saw. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's, that's the Yeah, that's the magic of it. Like, uh, 
the biggest problem with the, the Herald is when people rigidly try to stick to it and then the mm. fun is gone. Yeah. It's just math. That's true. I mean, we uh, certainly like a lot of long formers affected by Herald too. And we don't like, I don't, I don't love when people feel like they have to get it right, but they, so they fall out of presence mm-hmm. with their friends and the magic and potential that's there. Because if this thing falls off the rungs tonight, then that's okay. And I think, I think I've really started to cling to and, and, and consistently repeat is every form is a net in which to catch you rather than a prison in which to keep you, which is like something mm-hmm. we yeah. say to our students over and over is like, this thing is a protection device. It's just let you know, maybe you have a language with your friends that you know how to speak, but like, if it's time for something else, it's time for something else rather than kind of missing opportunity in these like beautiful magic moments that could happen from advanced performance. Yeah. Well, one thing I hear a lot from, uh, from our guy, uh, David Christopher, who of course you guys know very well, he talks about all the time about how you can try to do this technically perfect, or you can just try to have sloppy fun. And what's even more fun is just watching the sloppy fun happen. Cause a lot of times (laughs) that's when the real, the real fun happens. And, you know, if you think about the audience, you know, sure they appreciate things being technically perfect, but they just love more the sloppy fun. That's so true. Like I, especially if the people performing it are high level and they know how to kind of be performers about things that go off the rails, the sloppiness isn't even that sloppy. It's just more like impish or something. It's like things are wrong and we're okay with it is uh, maybe the most delightful things can be, you know, it's like something we didn't expect. I, I know, um, I know I always get really tickled by improvisers sort of, being as scared to improvise. (laughs) That's like, that seems like a very like duh statement to make, but it's, it Mm. is true that we study so much on how to do this well, that I think we think well means right. And it isn't the same. They're not, they're not equivalent. Yeah. Yeah. I like that in the midst of talking about sloppy, uh, sloppy fun that we're just our dogs are just riddling this podcast with barks. So yeah. this is the this is, this like is, a, new this is a dog cast. No, it's a dog cast. Yeah, I, I think it's safe to say the dogs are also a, a big part of this podcast yeah. today. They're really in it. They're really in yeah. it. They are so good at improv. They just had to jump on with a walk in. Yeah, they walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I have to tell you guys, uh, I'm not sure what episode number this is, but in the previous episodes I've had, there are two names that keep getting referenced over and over and over again. And that's you so really? many times. Oh yeah. So many times people say, well, yeah, it's like what I learned from Taryn Rance or, Oh yeah. It's like what Taryn Rance say. Uh, you two have been referenced so many times. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, why not? I mean, how do you feel knowing that you've been all over the world and you've been sharing this art form with people and people are really so influenced by you and have learned so much. How does that make you feel to know that you've inspired so many people in this craft? That is so sweet. I, yeah. I honestly, everyone we've you've had on your show is a plant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, this is yeah. They pay me plan. 20 bucks Venmo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Randy, you go first. I don't want to like jump on. I, I, I know how I, I think feel. It's, like. uh, I think it's well overdue. Finally, I think that's great. Have money's coming in, baby. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's great, and it's and it's uh, man, like all all we really do 
I, I feel like when when I was uh, when I was more solo pre us being together, my focus is on like the mechanics of things. But um, knowing Tara and being with Tara has has really like changed my skew to be like that's that stuff is still there, but it's way more the heart and it's way more the um, the connection and way more the the not just the what's going on 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 stage but what's going on with the team what's the dynamic where's the trust where's the ethics where's the safety and uh like our skew is more that of like can we be people who are being nice and taking care of each other and if we do that can that translate to the stage and unfortunately i know there are other people out there that are like teachers that go around that are like they're yeah, you know, you know. Yeah, they know. Uh, See, they're already mad. They're mad. Yeah, yeah. Like there, there are other people who are in it for them, and we're we're doing this to like it. It it fills our hearts to fill other people's hearts and to see oh, that yeah. reaction exactly. versus where like I need to get my ego stroked and uh, and have people think I'm amazing. Yeah, that's I, wow. Well said. I mean, I don't. I don't even. As far as how I feel about people referencing us in any way that's so kind i think since we're in such a ethereal art form and comedy you know like i think that a lot of people that we know and love that are contemporaries a lot of them are doing things that they're passionate about like television projects or movies or starting their own places or whatever it might be and they're all doing very well and rance and i sort of made a conscious decision when we were leaving to chicago to be like what are we going like what are we doing because we i don't think either of us perceived a time that we were going to leave chicago um and when we had this community here kind of ask us can you make a space we like really had to sit with it and think I think we can because we were touring here, the improvised musical so much out of Chicago and going separately to teach to so many places in, in Europe and beyond and the United States that I feel like, I feel like we were kind of like, what's our, you know, you can never know, like, what's your path? Like, what are you supposed to choose? There's never a right or wrong, but we had to make a conscious decision of like, I think we're comedy artists. Like, I don't know, like if something else comes along and we, turn into television people or we turn into like we do some movie project or something that may happen we're just like sort of open but i think that our lives are best we feel like we're serving best being in service to like theatrical communities and and i like live theater so the only downside of that is does this matter you know i mean like i think that rant and i are kind of like (laughs) does this matter like do people know that they matter do they know that their project matters do they know that we are kind of like we made a decision to come home and like help them make things that matter and so ld you did like a, that's a really heartwarming for me and probably any yeah. improviser that hears that about themselves uh, because it makes you be like okay well people do care i mean that you're sort of trying to make better comedic communities or whatever you know or or, or, or skill sets or any of that hey i'm gonna mute real quick you stop talking right now. You stop it. <laughs> okay. I'm There's no mute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our dogs also um, never bark like this. But they're protecting us from the contractors that are in our house. So you're welcome. Oh, that's we amazing. We got to be yeah. safe. That, that's amazing. Um, Tara, let's begin with you, ladies first. Um, oh. Let's start with oh. kind of your beginnings. 
where did you grow up? I can answer I grew this. Up in- she, uh... Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I would be yeah. so bad if you mansplained where I grew up. Uh... <laughs> How dare you? Uh... I grew up. I grew up here in Columbus, Ohio. We don't. I, I say Columbus for the podcast, but like, I don't know that I've ever called it that because I don't. Um, I don't enjoy the word Columbus. Uh, but however, everyone here really does call it Sea Bus. That's like legitimate. So I grew up here. Um, I I moved to Chicago probably in I think it was 1999. You know, at the um, what did I say? What did we say lately? Uh, the end of the 1900s and the late, the late 1900s. Late 1900s <laughs> and. Um, yeah, studied improvisation there um, and, and became, luckily, fortunately, kind of joined a lot of like amazing casts and theaters and met beautiful people there in a, in a really cool era to make art. I'll say that. Like, it wasn't the safest or most ethical era to come into that space, but it was also kind of a punk rocky era to enter, which was, which was, that was the, the, the cool part is meeting all these contemporaries that were awesome um, and making really neat stuff that hadn't been made. Um, so I was there from 99 to 2016, 2017, and we started the nest at, at that point here in Columbus. So I kind of returned back to my hometown here in, in, in Columbus as well. What was growing up for you like? Oh, what was growing up for me? Like, that's weird. LD, we just did a show last night and this came up, the content came up inside the show, uh, as characters, of course, but we were sort of like divulging our, uh, (laughs) <laughs> our evolution as people um in character and i i feel like my i was very um very sweet very shy very like i i i'd say very like um i was a feeler but not really a crier just like i feel like i felt everything a lot and as i grew up i that wasn't like necessarily rewarded <laughs> and you know as a kid mm, because right. that's, you know it can be like too much so i think i think that i i was very smart um like scholastically i enjoyed school um i liked reading and things like that and then later i started kind of like getting into theater and getting into sports and i i found very quickly as i was sort of um the things that like i was kind of pressured out of i kind of became class clowny uh mm-hmm. and i'd see from like seventh grade on i became very class clown like um not in the Bart Simpson way, but kind of like sardonic comments in the corner or like would make people laugh on a road trip, you know, like that was sort of my, my, uh, image in high school, I think. Um, you wouldn't and for tell everyone to stuff. eat your shorts or anything. Yeah. I wasn't telling everyone to eat my shorts <laughs> or, have a cow or anything like that. Uh, but I think I was kind of like playful and like, would like alleviate stress in rooms a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think only now as I've gotten older, have I been okay with reinviting that feeler energy back. I mean, I know that you LD knows I'm like a little care bear. That's like, I'm very warm, but I, I wasn't very good at like showing my own pain. I think until much later, my dad died when I was young. Like a lot of like covering up stuff with like funny um, and everything's cool. You know, a lot of that was happening when I was like in my teens and twenties, I think. So was the class clowning, would you say, kind of like a defense mechanism in a way for you? For sure. Uh, Without a doubt. I also like really enjoyed comedy. That's like authentic. I was, my brothers are older than I am and they like would show me sneaky things like, hey, you want to see Spinal Tap or like watch like SNL with us or whatever, you know, Monty Pythons or whatever the heck. And that was 
that was exciting. Like I'd always like get excited about watching, you know, in living color and, you know, like just like staying up to watch David Letterman and Johnny Carter. Like I'd always like stay up to watch things when I was really young. So it's definitely in me. Um, but I think I figured out it was a tool pretty early. <laughs> it was like, yeah. Hey, if I'm funny, no one, uh, no one bothers me. Uh, it was kind of a thing as a young, like, you know, young, heavy, um, feeler, you know, I'd like figured out how to play sports. Okay. And make people laugh all the time. You know, it was like that kind of thing. Yeah. I was one of those kids who also tried to be a class clown. Yeah. Uh, the problem was there were other class clowns that were way funnier than I was. Yeah, so I always kind of failed at that. I get and, that. I get yeah, that. That's, I, you can't be fourth funniest, right? No, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I tell people all the time, I've never been the funniest person in the room, but I've always been the person who wanted to be the funniest person in the, world, yeah. the room. Yeah. And I was also the guy who was very obviously trying to be the funniest person in the oh, room. Oh, and that's so hard because it's like desperately funny never works. You know, like, ne- never like does. Like, what about this guys? <laughs> it's like, you can <laughs> from the, everyone that's listening and it's too, yeah, it's not, it's not the same. I, I totally get that. It's definitely a, a weird finesse of like, what's this room like, but it probably made me a better performer. because I'm always kind of taking like in, you know, the temperature of the room, not necessarily like Mm. catering to anyone, but just sort of like noticing things like that. Yeah. Uh, Let's go over to you, Rance. Uh, Mm -hmm. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in uh, mostly in Portland, Oregon with no dogs. (laughs) (laughs) You got him. You got him. I'm going to tell this episode... I'm going to title this episode, Tara, Rants, and Dogs. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, like, I hope that everyone's really enjoying the defense of our dogs right now. It's really incredible. Oh, my God. It I... makes us all know that you two are protected right now. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Today I'm of all so days protected. around this podcast, we're so protected. <laughs> the irony is that guy's gone. So they're, now they know For that real? we're on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and we need to be careful about Thank what you we say. Yeah, we yeah. Need to be very careful with what we say. Yes, us. <laughs> they're keeping us on track. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I grew, I grew up in, uh, I, I usually say from memory in Portland, Oregon. Oh. Um, like from the time I was probably like three or four uh, until moving to Chicago in two thousand three, and then uh, and then moving here with Tara. Like that's where I, I feel like I met Tara within like my first week or two of being in Chicago. Yeah. Felt very yeah. quick. Yeah. yeah. And what was growing up for you like Rance? Oh man. Growing up. Uh, uh, I was always like a weird <laughs> kid. And uh, I luckily, I don't have like the, I, I never have felt the constraints of like social conformity. So mm-hmm. I've, so that, that, hurt and hindered my social path a little bit like I feel like I was socially stunted in that because I just didn't pick up on cues oh my god here's a little fun fact about me I hate dogs barking Uh, (laughs) Clark Addison stop it someone just like walked in again just so you know okay so he was just, he was just getting, shutting uh, the door or something. Yeah. Final yeah, part. Yeah, yeah. He went to get glue for the pipes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, but I, I, I was always like a weird kid. 
there's a great oh i can't how do we explain this this thanksgiving photo like i can a, do it for ld if you want like we'll give you a visual and you can describe it ld if you want yeah sure it's uh, um like yeah basically that it's a hand it's two hands on each temple and and one eye is open the other eye is looking up yep and picture picture a kid doing that dumb face in the middle of one of the rare opportunities to have all of our relatives together at Thanksgiving and my dad <laughs> my dad trying to get a, my dad's a photographer so he's always it, like every anything was always him trying to get us together for a photo but like yeah this, the thing is, he'd have to put it on a timer and then come sit down, and then he wouldn't know what was going on with anyone else. So he'd walk away with a photo with our family, my mom's uh, sister's family, my mom's five cousins and their families, our grandparents, our great great aunt, everyone, like 40 people in a photo. Everyone's doing great. I'm doing this stupid face, and the youngest is looking over at me to be like, what the hell's he doing? And uh, like... It's uh, my favorite picture of him. It's like easily in my top five favorite pictures of you all time because it's, yeah. it's at his core who he is, but what he has to like kind of mask most of the time. Yeah. So I think it's very funny. To this day, I had to find an art form to allow it to leak out or else I'd yeah. explode. <laughs> but I've never been a like, like, uh, something I'm envious of Tara's uh, experience growing up is she has a huge group of core friends that's not just like acquaintances but like this like 16 person core group of friends that's still mm -hmm. tight and like every friend that i've ever had has kind of faded away except for one uh and mm. it's just like i i don't feel the uh i don't feel the like social like i need this that uh some people have so it's like i'm fine to like and i feel like my my friend blaine shout out to blaine borgia blaine. who uh who will hate this because he hates having his name in any public record for no reason whatsoever <laughs> that's true that is true but uh uh he uh he's kind of the same way so we're good that way like i we just recently saw him in dallas and uh we we both like have probably texted each other maybe a max of 20 times in like the last six years uh but it's it's just because we are still there we we don't need the like constant connection we have the the memory connection that's going on mm -hmm. it's really yeah it's... stop it just keeping in the podcast listeners uh updated the dogs are on protect watch again because someone's drilling in our basement uh that's what's happening now <laughs> I can only hear it through the wall, but I know that they're like, they're really doing their due diligence, the dogs, yeah, on uh, yeah. exactly what they should be doing. <laughs> yeah. Now on Dog Watch, hour two. <laughs> yeah. We have to keep everyone updated. If they're slugging it through this podcast, like, just know the dogs are doing a great job. They're doing a they, great they job. They clearly are. They clearly are. We don't have to worry about you guys. <laughs> yeah. We're fine. Cool. I love that about, I actually <sighs> think that Rance's, um, Rance is sort of like, this is probably why we became friends so quickly. I, I think that like Rance um, has balance for me and maybe vice versa that we have like, I, I kind of was the social like caregiver maybe that he was seeking. And I also like that he doesn't really care what 
people think of him and therefore people like him as strange as like as strange as it is like i always used to tell rants like you know people think you're like really cool right like when we were in chicago you could see everyone in the room sort of like be like oh rant is here like they were trying to impress him or something and you know he's very like he's six five he's like a good looking guy like he's very talented and charming on stage and stuff so people kind of be like i hope rants like my show you know whatever and he'd be like i don't know who you are you know like not even <laughs> <laughs> he true. wasn't a dick but it's i true. feel like he just like doesn't like he doesn't care if you like him so people like him because and he not in a care. not in a dick way but in a just like no a, not a, at I'm all it's not wired that way he's not wired right. that way. he has like right. he has no people pleaser in him and i think that that's like a real beautiful thing when you're a person that seeks people pleasing uh, like it's nice for me to be like yeah you're right because you don't have to care because like my punk rock heart likes that but it's harder for me because of being like you know, a, a young bullied fat kid or whatever. Like, I'm always like, is everyone okay? You know, I'm like, I sort of am nervous. So it's, it's just, uh, my anxiety chills when I'm around him, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rance, when did performing come into your life? I, there, okay. Get this. Uh, I, I was always like <laughs> a shy kid and I was always, I never like, I remember one time my parents got me to be in like a church whatever the Christmas thing is. I'm not really a churchy mm-hmm. person, but it's like, whatever that's called. Like a pageant? Yeah, a pageant. And uh, and I think they were trying to push me to like, just do something. And I played Silent Shepherd 2, uh, <laughs> which is which oh, yeah, when I put fun. on a robe and stood there. Uh, and that was it. <laughs> and uh, I, I have a pretty good singing voice and I did at an early age. And I remember our music teacher in grade school, like was curating people to be in a show who she knew had like good singing and gathered us all together. And I remember her saying like, if you don't want to be in this, you don't have to, and you can just go back to class. And me and one Mm -hmm. other girl left. (laughs) And so I was like, I didn't have like the bug for the theater early on. And, uh, there's this thing called outdoor school in uh, the Northwest, which is, uh, it's a camp. It's like a summer camp, like improv retreat. Uh, but it's like, um, where sixth graders go for a week, but they're, they're having a camp experience, but they're learning the whole week. So they're learning about like, uh, the life cycle of plants and like the water cycle and diversity of plants and all this, all this different nature stuff. And as a high schooler, you can be a counselor and get a week off of school to go out there because they like, they need counselors. Yep. (laughs) So they, they somehow got a program, but I, when I went in sixth grade, I hated it because I am an indoors person Uh and uh uh, this guy, uh, James Longfellow shout out was like, uh, was like, Hey, we should go do, we should go be counselors. Cause he, he wanted someone to go out and be with him and he had to go through this training and everything. And I was like, I don't want to do it. He's like, no man, it'll be super fun. So I ended up saying yes. And we signed up and uh, he bailed cause he was running for treasure. And I remember distinctly telling him, you're not going to win. You should just go to camp. <laughs> and I was right. He didn't win, <laughs> uh, but he didn't, but Very he didn't cheering. go. Yeah. So I was forced to go myself and I was kind of like, uh, definitely out of my my zone and they they needed people to sing camp songs at camp and i was so nervous to do it and but i was like 
us, they're like, we'll teach you one. Like they were like begging counselors to sing songs at camp at night. And I sang a song and the kids went bananas for it. And I was like, oh, what's this? <laughs> what's this thing? <laughs> and that was like junior year of high school. Uh, and in senior year, I tried to sign up for a theater class. and They didn't let me in because I was a senior already. So they were, they were just kind of like too late. Hmm. Um, but also, yeah, but I ended up working. <laughs> I, I was a counselor three times in high school. And then I ended up working out there as staff for like five years. Uh, and I would take <laughs> call. Hey, bitch, get in here. <laughs> Go to the bed. Hey, bed. Oh, hold on. He's calling me. Hold on. I'll finish. JK, what if I did? <laughs> yeah. I, I just love the idea of you two answering each other's stories. Thank you for asking. Yes, when I was a junior, I, yeah, yeah, I just keep it <laughs> Yeah, so Tara, you were a counselor and. <laughs> yeah, I'll take this. I have the floor. Um... <laughs> I oh, do, that's awesome. I do know that he loved it though. Like I, not to finish his thing, but that camp counselor thing was pivotal for him. For sure, for sure. And yeah. sort of led us to uh led us to the improv retreat, which was um truly I had this idea like in I don't know, twenty twelve or something, and I, I pitched it to Rance because I knew that he would tell me the truth if it was a bad idea or not. So it's kind of a funny full circle thing of like, I don't know, I have this idea for a camp where there'll be like, I don't know, two hundred people and they're all in the woods. And he was like, This is a great idea. And I knew that Rance wouldn't be like I knew that he wouldn't pull any punches about it at all. So it was nice that that camp thing came full circle. I was just telling them that you were the person I, um, he's back, uh, about, uh, uh I was telling them about the improv retreat and how I told you about it. Cause I, I wanted to get the truth if it was a bad idea or not. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So ult- ultimately doing camp and singing songs meant, meant I saw an improv class in college that sounded like camp skits. And I just thought easy A. And then as I took it and was like, oh shit, I love this. Mm-hmm. Fucking kidding. <laughs> God, he's gone. Hildy, <laughs> you're catching a window that is not a thing that happens. It's really yeah. like this is a this is a real uh you're really catching us. This is, this is I a- feel so lucky right you now. You do? I really okay, do. Oh, I do so Listeners, much. So much. You're this gonna is get a special a, one. You're gonna get a nom <laughs> for a potty. <laughs> it's actually potty. It's a toilet. Yeah, P O T T Y. Yeah, yeah. So that's how you discovered uh, improv rants, uh, Tara. You mentioned that you did uh, a lot of theater and you did a lot of sports. Yeah. Uh, how did you discover improv specifically? Oh gosh, that's a good question. I took I took us. I I loved like things like sketch comedy but I didn't know how people developed it, I guess. And I had a, I had a little city crush on Chicago as a kid, I think. And um, when I went to college, uh, I had this really cool, uh, really awesome guy named Mel Helitzer, shout out, uh, who was a stand-up comedy teacher. He like did like, honestly, like really old school. Uh, he helped people curate their acts and like the cat skills and like, re- like really like, um, uh, why am I forgetting the name? Branson, like things like that. Like he did like show quality kind of like heavy rotation comics of like the seventies and sixties. He was te- he was a professor at this Ohio university where I went and I took a stand up class from him and loved it and was like, this is close. You know, this is like the closest thing I can think of outside of 
theater that's like I, it's not quite what I want to do but it's something like what I want to do and he was like you should move to Chicago and I was like why uh why, why specifically and he told me about Second City um and he told me about like all these kind of like scholastic places that obviously we all know the lore of probably at this point but he was like a lot of people move there to to do improv and then they kind of they decide what they want to do after they have improvisational skills. And I was like, this is a thing. Like, this is a real thing I can do. Uh, this wasn't at a time where you could just Google it. You know, I didn't know where people learn that stuff. So I just was so excited to think that there might be a community or something that I could find that would be doing this stuff. And that, that community was already thriving and growing so rapidly yeah. in Chicago at that point. But I, I just didn't, you had to like find out through a friend. It was like that kind of thing. So um, yeah. I like earned money and like went to Chicago and jumped into classes. I started IO and Second City on the same day, uh, which was wild to like go to, I had Martin DeMott in the morning or the afternoon who taught at Second City and I had Sharna Halpern at night. So it was like very different like energies and both equally fun and like wild. Um, and it was just a really, like, it was really exciting. I just didn't know. I couldn't believe it. And then I'd have to wait a full week to have them both again. And, you know, you you know that feeling when you're starting, like, I just want to do it every day. You know, like, but I had to kind of temper those um, expectations, even in that city. I just would see as much as I could and do everything I could, you know, back then. Yeah. Let me ask you this, because you mentioned Second City. What is it like to walk into this institution where you've had, it's world famous Mm-hmm. And you've had the greats be in the same classes that that you are taking at that point. Yeah. You know, what does it feel like to step into that place? It's well, <laughs> uh, I have several. I have several opinions. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to like make sure. <laughs> well knows. was the best. Well, That's such a loaded well. It's so fun. Well, here's the thing. And I'll say this about all the schools there, I think, everywhere, not the, not just there. This isn't just a Chicago thing. Uh, I think that when I moved there, um, here's one of the coolest things that, that happened. Martin DeMott, who was a fucking angel, like this person was an angel on earth in my book and was like so good at teaching. Um, he taught a thing called improv for actors. And he was so good at the bohemian approach of stepping into like why characters need to have uh, personalities and heart and connection. And I feel like he's the teacher I had there that convinced me to be there. And then beyond that point, the lore sort of overtook the heart. Um, Meaning like here, here's what he did. He like took me into a space, our whole class. And he let us like sit down on the main stage in second city. And he was like, touch the stage. Think of how many people have been here. Like we all like laid down on the wood floor of the main stage because it had been stripped for like a um, a set redesign from in between reviews, and I remember just sitting there and him being like, "Gilda Radner was here, Bill Murray was here, you know, like Tim Meadows was here, like all these people are, all these people have been here, and you're here now." And the thing that he did that I think is important is you're here now, uh, which I don't think is always what people they they get caught up in the like who's been here and how can I be themness of Chicago rather than the, like these people have been here and they did great and I love them. And also I'm here now is like the, the evolution I'm really enjoying. Uh, and I think what we're trying to pass along is like these institutions, unfortunately weren't 
they aren't exactly what they once were anymore because they've been they've been going through their own I don't know what you want to call it like evolutions I suppose that's a great word for it yeah and I think that there's there's growing pains and there's always going to be growing pains but I think that what's cool now is all these doors are open where people are asking questions that should have been asked 20 years ago or I shouldn't say that people weren't doing that but now people are there's more people doing that and I mm-hmm. think now there's kind of like this um, righteous push of like, now there's, you know, 75% of us have these questions instead of people like me that were only 8% of being like, hey, maybe not this. You know, like there, there's a lot of like that kind of stuff where like the wrong people get rewarded or like, you know, how we're always yes. like, oh, the nicest people get, you know, karma is going to help you in the industry. And that's true. But it's also like every now and then that's not true. And it's like, it is the meanest person in the industry that like kind of knuckles everybody out. And like, I think that we're getting better at being like cognizant of who are the kind hard workers and are they, are they funny and are they caregiving? And I just like that stuff. So it's like, it's like the lore is really awesome, but the lore is sort of like, it's secondary to the now, I think. And like in IO and in uh, comedy sports and annoyance and second city. Like, I think that, that these places are fucking rad, but they're also they're also like made by humans. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's yep. the same kind of thing as like religion or spirituality to me where it's like, okay, you can think the thing is rad, but humans touch it and therefore it is flawed. I mean, like it is flawed. And so like, we can't yes. be too reverent of things, I think. Right. So yeah, I hear exactly what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's really like, I see that as a person that was fortunate enough to work everywhere. Um, but I certainly had my like run-ins and like the things that were said to me in these places were not okay. And like, I had to be, I was at that time too, being like, I was the only female bodied person in my IO class. Oh, wow. Take that in. (laughs) I was also, uh, I think later it became a few more of us, but a lot of women were like discouraged so easily that they were like, Mm. they just left. Uh, and they were good, but they like just left because they, they kind of like didn't like the energy of it. And um, I was the only queer person. I was I, like things like that. Like I later on, I have a disability. Like I was the only person on stages in Chicago that like at one point had a walker. And I remember mm. like a friend of mine now saw me on stage. And because I had a walker, she, she has like a mobility devices. And she was like, Oh, I'd never seen myself on stage, like things like that. So I can only imagine like BIPOC energy or like, um, gender queer people, like anybody that's just like, Oh, I like, if you don't see yourself, you know, what, what happens next? And I just sort of have been like very cognizant of that. I luckily, since I'm sort of an empath, like I mentioned, I feel like I've always kind of been like looking for that, but there's not enough people. You have to have a um, I think you have to have people in mass question it, not just like three loud voices question it, even if they're people that you see on stages. It's like, yes, I got to be on main stage at some places and I could be like, hey, this isn't cool. And people are like, yeah, yeah, you're right. But that doesn't mean it's changing. It's like not like, you know, you have to have more people kind of like raising that barn. I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like yeah. along those lines and like something that I uh not just love about Tara but like just love as a business partner with Tara is that this idea that like it's hard to get this stuff out if there's just one voice that she's taken that voice and that we run this theater together and 
all it takes is one voice if your voice is the top to be like be fucking cool to each other or mm -hmm. you don't have a place here like uh yeah like to 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 have everyone we have everyone sign a code of ethics just because we've been through chicago and she's dealt with she's dealt with uh knowingly a lot of bullshit and i've seen whether i blinded myself to it or then started to notice a lot of bullshit the code of ethics is just easy like hey you're 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 what we were trying to get away from so you're bye <laughs> and <laughs> yeah and, and luckily most i think most people who might fall into that category self-select out and just sort of fade away when they realize they can't like get away with the bullshit they're they're gravitating towards that's a good uh, point i mean yeah. maybe that's you're so that's so right I, I i think that we've noticed that people making your own space ld has been we we've made our own spaces in short term for a long time like the improper treat we made in 2012 ish 2013 and it went live in 2014 so like we had some idea and we've been on like artistic committees at you know i or comedy sports or whatever second city or whatever like wherever all over just like helping out but it, when you run your own space you can kind of be like no <laughs> Like there's no other person you have to like defer to, to be like, well, it's going to go through eight hands and then they'll vote on it. It's different to be like the co-founders of a space that just get to be like, Hey, um, you don't fit here. And it's only your choice. How, like, it's like, like the only way you can opt out of our community is by not taking care of community. So like, what's your, you know, what's the goal is like kind of the, it's nice to kind of know that we have that built in to the sauce, you know? Yeah. Well, it does feel like now more so than before these conversations, these uncomfortable conversations uh, are definitely being had more than ever. And of course, a lot of it is fueled by, you know, a lot of what we've been seeing. And of course, things like um, like Me Too movement and, and Black Lives Matter, people are now finally having these honest conversations with each yes. other. Do you feel like the doors are now being a lot more open for everyone else to come in? Or do you still think we still have ways to go? We have a ways to go. <laughs> <laughs> really think on your answer. <laughs> I mean, I think you're right. I think it's better. But like, I think that, I think there's also a lot of, um, virtue signaling happening that's like sort of like look at us we've got a person with a different ability on our stage so everything's mm. cool like i um i think that that's sort of i think we're all like hopeful i think the people that are really righteous are truly trying to bring people in and the hardest part of that i should say is that like if people don't see themselves you can't bring them in yes. so if you don't have anyone mm -hmm. you right like it's, it's it's like there is that actual problem which is like how do you then do outreach to communities that may not trust cis, able, white, um, male, like what, like straight, you know, like it, it's like, you have to do the work to be like, no, really it's safe here. And that yeah. means you have to have a few people trust you to kind of broaden that space. I think, yeah. um, I think the nest has been really good at it, to be honest. Like, I think that, that, that the community is really good at telling one another that, that the space is authentic. Uh, like meaning like once people did trust Rance and I, I think they, I think the snake leads by the head, but then like, you know, like then, then the community also has each other to be like, is this true? And then yeah. they also start to like grow exponentially sideways, meaning like 
it's like, yeah, they're really, they're really like this and you can talk to them. And also we're really like this and we can talk to each other. And like, therefore, and therefore, and therefore we build with like mm-hmm. communities of BIPOC humans. And like, I, I think our, we have a very large, like, also like we have a lot of queer people at our theater that don't feel like threatened by by um content i think like a lot of people know they can say what they want on our stages as long as it's not punching down only Mm -hmm. punching up so like there's a lot of like freedom i think that maybe you know as as like theaters get more corporate that's like a real turnoff to us uh, that like we want to be a place where people can speak truthfully um that's that's really what like i feel like is the biggest curse of theaters is where they get too big for they, they they follow a like a corporate plan versus a yeah. community plan like that's of ever of ever a theater i've seen that wasn't uh particularly ethically malicious uh turning into a corporation seems to be their downfall yes mm. totally totally yeah that that might be true cuz it's like you don't you don't keep your eye on the people that are that are in service to you or the the art. You're keeping an eye on the bottom line. So it's kind of like who's yeah. attending the show becomes more important than the people that are that are creating and right. fostering the show. And or who's, who's taking yeah. classes becomes a commodity and not a not a growth. Uh, right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, you know. One thing that I love um, teaching improv is I've had this, and I'm sure you guys have experienced this too, is so many people coming in, and even though they're pl- they're playing characters, they walk away saying, "Wow, I love a place where I can be me." Yeah, and I yeah. love a place where I can be heard and and accepted, no matter who I am or or what I am. Hell yeah, that's beautiful, yeah. LG. I mean, like that's. I feel like when you know we do comedy shows for a living, like we're comedians for a living. Yes, mm-hmm. but. This is also a type of, I don't know, I, I say this to our classes sort of jokingly, but it's not, it's not untrue that like we're student counsel for the human spirit. I just said it this week in class, in fact, but I, <laughs> I think about that all the time because it's like, are we representing people that don't always get to speak in a public, like in a way of showing that like we're, we're sharing human experiences or we're. Where, uh, you know, when you do get fired from your job, it feels bad. Or like when you, when you have, uh, when you get married, it's incredible, but it's scary. Or like, what, like, like, are we playing scenes that feel rich and diversified and complex and like show all the ways that humans are humans rather than being like, kind of like a pat sort of scene we've seen before. It's like really nice mm-hmm. to hear people kind of speak the things that we didn't get to always say because it was like too quick or it was too it had to be really flat and like outlined and like get to the funny it's like more interesting to see human truth because that's the funniest of all i mean easily that's our favorite scenes to watch and be in yeah i I remember hearing this phrase and i have no idea where i heard it or who i heard it from but there's a phrase that says um there's nothing funnier than the truth yeah it it is what i love so yeah and what i love so much about our world is that the best thing you can present is your honesty Absolutely. and how you are and how you're feeling and who you are at that moment, which is what really has turned me on to this for so many years. Forever. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think that's like the reason you get sort of addicted to this art form is because the truth is always shifting and like you're always, ideally you're evolving too. And like you have new thoughts and new feelings and, playing a person is like a butterfly effect. You know, it's like, it depends on which way they choose now and which way they choose next and which way they choose next. And that could alter everything inside the scene. And 
you know, I mean, Truth and Comedy, the book is like just the title alone. I remember as a student being like, oh, cool. And then like later being like, oh, playing truthful people, not necessarily only you, but playing truthful people and enriching those thoughts and, and ideas to not just like satirical lines is so much more interesting to see someone really go through it. And I think that Rance and I have gotten braver. I mean, I've always like loved playing with Rance in general in different spots that we've played, but when we do hear the musical, we're also a PSLD. We're doing a show called now as well. So we have like a two person show called now that's like a long form with interviews. And then we have here the improvised musical that we've toured for years and love. But I feel like we've gotten braver about being like, this one might have a moment that makes the audience cry. I I feel like we've gotten Mm. like really brave about not, you know, you you know how to like shift gears, right? Improvisers, you know how to do that thing where it's like, anyway, because we do that in real life when we're uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like um, we've gotten braver over the last decade of being like, this one's tough or like this one's gonna be tough and like we will elevate it and make it funnier later because the human experience is ultimately comedic sometimes but like this might be the nugget in the show where we see the audience crying at some song we're singing and that's like become as interesting i think yeah that's like a that was a that idea was a key benchmark in my growth as an improviser doing a uh a show at the san francisco improv festival where it turned and it it became it didn't be it stopped being comedic and started being dramatic and the audience was crying and doing a standing ovation at the end and i remember mm-hmm. feeling like oh shit there's so much more than just trying to get like a laugh out of the audience yeah. and it's it was so much more rewarding and then just like if you're if you're looking at all the possible emotions and you're centering in on that tiny wedge of laughter uh why not mm-hmm. why not embrace the other things i mean i don't want to have people get scared of a show or angry at a show but like there's still like possibilities in uh in enjoyment yeah Yeah. it's like the difference between you know there's like jim carrey of the mask and there's jim carrey of truman show and i know which one i prefer Mm. (laughs) you know what i mean right absolutely Uh, right like it's like they both serve their purposes and sometimes you have those kinds of shows but like it's really cool to be like what if we show how like (laughs) you know what do you want to do like a somebody stop me bit what's going on yeah i was just i was just picturing a a scene where it's like hey uh i'm really happy to be with you and uh i'm just i'm just glad this date worked out smoking (laughs) yeah that's what i meant thank you for nailing it yeah Yeah. Uh, i yeah, I remember years ago the first time I saw Mark Sutton and Stacy Halal do uh, do their duo, and um, that was such a huge moment for me because they have their their format that they call um, a comedy, a tragedy, and a romance, and it's a three scene uh, bit. Huh. The second scene they did that completely changed me because it wasn't ha ha funny, and there wasn't even anything that was said that was accidentally funny, but they were just in it and it was just so emotional and that was like a really big come to jesus moment for me when i saw that like wow improv can be more than just let's make you laugh yeah Uh, Yeah. i've changed my philosophy because of that to improv can make you feel hell yeah that's 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 beautiful we We said that to our level one students that like you don't um 
we don't we don't want you here to make people laugh. We want you here to make people feel. And if laughter is part of that, we've succeeded. And like if 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 like being like you know like hilariously frustrated is like part of that, that's fun. It all leads to it often like leads to laughter because I I mean, but it it's yeah. still yeah it's still real. It's like you have to be unafraid. We see plateaus in a lot of our students where there's something in their personal lives that they haven't faced and you can feel it. It reflects on stage because the vulnerability to be on stage and be okay with whatever happens tonight, meaning, I mean, outside of safety, of course, but like whatever happens tonight with content is like, who am I playing? Like you can see people get like exponentially funnier if they aren't afraid of being um, vulnerable, you know, in, in a scene prior to that, it's like, it, it really increases. It also is just playing comedic theory, which Rance and I love yeah. of like, if an audience feels that deeply, you've taught them that they can feel that deeply. So they laugh exponentially harder in the next scene because it's like uncapping. It's like, it's like getting an achievement. It's like, I know I can feel this much. So now I can laugh this much. You know, it's, it's like, it all yeah. kind of, it's a biorhythm for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just the yeah. tension from sitting through it too, like builds, like tension builds laughter. Laughter is yes. a release of tension. So like after a big, deep, meaningful scene it's it's kind of like ugh. and you just start the next scene with like an armpit fart and they're like ah! <laughs> <laughs> that's our wheelhouse is armpit farts so yeah, just, just yeah. <laughs> that that's the title of your next show armpit, armpit farts, farts. <laughs> it's on the well, now, yeah. armpit well farts. now it's time for a really big question that i'm so excited to ask you guys oh. how did you two meet oh, oh. shit that's a great, how do we meet? I mean, Rance, I think this is a weird one because we're not, we think we met through comedy sports. We're, we're pretty positive about that. Yeah. Um, There's some gray area on it because uh, we definitely knowingly met at a comedy sports rehearsal in Chicago shortly after I met yes. there. And that's our, could, that's our, that's our like ear marker of like, we think we met here in 2003. And we, okay. and we probably crossed paths two months before that when I was like a, like I played comedy sports in Portland. So I was like a guest player at Chicago. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, um, uh, Tara, Tara remembers being at the show and maybe playing it, but I was so like, I was so like, in I don't my think, head. I played, I think I played the show prior to yours. I think I played the eight and you were playing gotcha. the 10. I don't, I don't know for sure. Yeah. And as I've said, I'm not like a, a, a people person where I have to like get to know people. So I was, I was like, hi, <laughs> hi, hi, and gone. And I was like focused on doing the show more than uh, creating uh, friendships or connections. Yeah, he was like basically mm -hmm. trying out like in a live audition sort of thing. I, we think if it is the same day we saw each other, we met each other, I should say, probably we think a week or so later, I, I don't or like something like that where you came, he came in for a practice and I was like the welcoming committee. Uh, mm. So I was kind of like yelling his name down the hallway. Like, hi, Rance. Like, Rance. kind of like bringing him in. Yeah. And just, that was like funny. And we, we, and we, I was we like, like, she's all right. I, she know what? This, this gal is okay. And we became friends really quickly. I, I mean, I feel like we were friends right away. Like really. Right pals, away. Like right it was away. like yeah. immediate, immediate, like, hell yeah, this one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was certainly like, I was kind of like the social chair of that era of comedy sports. So I was kind of like making sure all the newbie people or like transferring people were coming in. I had only started the year before I think there, but I was like trying to be like the welcome wagon basically. So it was like an easy, um, 
overlap. Yeah. We didn't date till like 11 years later. Yeah. Cause we're so, it took that long. Yeah, yeah. It was like, we were, we were like with a bunch of other people in between and, um, I don't think we ever, honest to God, like, I don't think we ever thought of <laughs> like whether we were stupid or not. That's one thing. I mean, when Rance met me, I identified as gay. That's part one. Uh, yeah. And I, I dated women for a good chunk of that time. And then um, other people, Rance was in a long-term relationship too. Um, I also I think identified was... as robot at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I forgot to say he was part robot back then. Like, <laughs> I really was, I really was like way more, uh, I, that's, that said like half in jest because I was just like very like not, not emotionally connected to anything at all. Tapped in. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't like cold or, or anything like that, but he was just sort of like not the same. But that wasn't warm. <laughs> yeah. I think you, I think you kind of nailed it though, that when he, came to like came to comedy sports and transferred i think it was more like you were worried about like what chicago work like and it just wasn't like you know it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't that you were cold you were just sort of like on guard um on guard and also on like yeah on path like i was like i'm 31 and i'm moving to chicago to start this thing that 20 year olds start so i was like let's fucking get to it and i was like i was i was trying to like and you were already doing professional shows in Oregon. So it was yeah. like weird, you know, like I'd been, yeah, I'd been doing comedy sports there for four years. So I got comedy sports. I knew, I understood it, but that Chicago had a really rigid, uh, audition process that I sort of loopholed my way through. And, uh, and then I just had to prove that it was a good choice by them. <laughs> so I was like, I was like really focused <laughs> on the game while taking IO and annoyance classes at the same time. And he immediately kind of shot up through those systems too, but it was like a, I think everyone knew you were good, you know, but it was, it was just, just, it took us a long time to figure it out. LD. <laughs> yeah. took us a I, long I, time. It, and it took a while for me to hear stuff back. Like I remember one guy, um, Eric Lindbergh, I'm just going to keep shouting names out. When I, when I like show, when I just all of a sudden showed up at rehearsals and and they were like, what, who's this? And then, uh, I remember him being like, who the fuck does this guy think he is just coming in here? And then I got on stage and did some scene. He's like, oh man, fuck it. God, he's got, okay. He, okay. Like he was just like, damn it. That's exactly it. Yeah. 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 They were like that for sure. And then I, what do you, what do you think it is that really made you two gravitate towards each other? God, I don't know what made her gravitate towards me. Oh, I mean, get she, real. She, but I, like, she's just fun. <laughs> I mean, like, it had to have been on, an on-stage presence. And also, I think, honestly, like, finding out well in retrospect that, uh, that like, um, like, I have what we've lovingly referred to. I don't know if we've mentioned it yet as resting murder face. <laughs> RMS. Which means, uh, which like, I don't like, again, with the social stuff, like I don't try to mask and please. Uh, so I'll just like be soft, a uh, soft neutral. This is just for, uh, LD to see Tara. Here's what my resting face is. Yeah. Legit. So if I, if Everywhere. I'm just like that and you don't know me and you don't know that I'm just like Terrifying. pleasantly neutral in my head, you're like, fuck, this guy hates me. 
uh, <laughs> and uh, but uh, we got to play right away. When I when I'm when I'm playing or when I'm at rehearsal and doing improv, it's where my joy lives. So Terry got to see the joy side of it and see the 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 soft nooch, hard nooch, <laughs> hard <laughs> nooch side. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Like he, I mean, I gravitate towards Ranzo easy. I mean, like you were so funny right away. And so like, you know how you can tell when someone's, um, just in our friendship, I mean, just specifically friends, I feel like it was, you can good recognize as good. And like, it wasn't just that he was funny, but he was also like sleek. Uh, he was good at being like a mm. professional in a world of like, um, but not boring, which I think is like also tough to find. They like had a lot of good qualities that were like, he knew how to host a show and he wasn't sloppy about it. And he like made you feel safe. If Like if you saw someone, this is in our wedding vows, actually, like when I would find out Rance was in the cast I was in, I would be like, oh, good. And it like kind of exhaled because we would both be like, or he would feel the same in, re- in, re- in return of like, oh, fine. Like, like we don't have to like plan a ton of stuff ahead. We don't have to like make sure we're doing yeah. cleanup for someone that shows up late. You know, like things like that that are just like the mechanics of a show. I always felt so protected, and he also was like just so funny and and fun to be around. But you had you almost felt like you got to be in an inside club if you were friends with Rance. Like people were always be like, mm-hmm. "How's Rance? Is he okay?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, he's great." <laughs> you were sort of in like a. Is he cool? Um, like I think a lot of people were friends with me, and I was like an easy French. I was like an easy like I'm I'm very warm, you know. Like so, people are like yeah. I know how you are. Uh, is Rance, does Rance like me? You know, like that kind of thing happened a lot. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I felt very lucky to be like tight with him. I think because he he trusted me as well. So it was just an easy easy friendship. I forget about that like that show gig, uh, like road gig vibe of like. See, the same thing that kind of makes our, our running our theater go well is like Tara's naturally good with people and naturally good with art and design. And I've, I've got a, a proclivity towards the tech side of things. So it's like I'm figuring out the lighting and the sound and everything. Same thing as road gigs. I forget would like if it was like we're both on a gig and be like, oh, cool. And we, we get there and Tara would be like one way to hit the client and I'd be the other way to hit the stage and find out, get our lofts and get our mic checks. Like I'd head t- towards the tech. She'd head towards the client <laughs> and then we'd be, yeah, it's all out of the way. And now let's just do the show. Yeah. And then the show would be like yeah. so easy and fun because everything was done. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it was yeah that kind of thing. We kind of like became a lot of leads at theaters we worked at because people would be like, they can handle management and in the cast, you know, like that kind of thing. So starting a theater was honestly like it sucks i i y'all anyone yeah. out there that runs a theater Dude, it's don't so fucking do it hard. don't I don't do it <laughs> so fast into a husk god bless you uh but like it is it is also awesome work but it's so uh you have to have people that are good at each thing you know and i think our relationship yeah. we, we're good at that too like i yeah obviously relationship takes a backseat to improv talk in this one but rance is also like an incredibly great partner he's just like a really good person and easy to easy to love you know it's like it's a nice like once we figured it out once we were like oh it was like someone like hit us in the head i mean truly like yeah and i think we're also very kind and reverent to people we you know had dated and stuff like that prior so it was kind of like we're friends like i i'm really good at being like no he's my friend and that's what he is or like she's my friend and that's what she is Mm -hmm. and everyone kind of went in their in their little boxes you know and then once we were sort of confronted with like 
do you love each other? And then it was like, I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> like it was like, What's it was like, happening? <laughs> like everything. Uh, I'm going to defer to the dogs on that one. <laughs> <laughs> right? They're suddenly quiet. Uh, but it's like, it just, it just was truly like seeing honest light. Like we were both just like, Oh my God. Like we were so stupid. Like I didn't, but I feel like we were the last to know. I was just going to literally say, we were? were the last to know. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, here's an interesting question, both as performers and as people, what have you two learned from each other and what do you continue to learn from each other? Hmm. I think, gosh, I've learned so much from Rance, I think. Yeah. Um, where do I even start? I, I feel like I've learned from him that like we can kind of handle, I, I, it's things I know, but things he um, models. I'll say that. Like maybe mm-hmm. that's same in reverse. Like I think you're good at modeling things I need to be better at, which is like just sort of like keeping level or like, like because mm-hmm. I've, I, I want to take care of people and I have a lot of compassion that can also be like, I don't want to be swept up in their energy sometimes. And he's really good at being kind of like, cool, let them handle it. And it's like, oh yeah. Because when you're the person that like runs, I, I run a, our code of ethics at our theater, at the Nest Theater, but I also, um, I'm also on a committee that like handles worldwide problems. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's really, really hard. I, I'll, I'll just like, I'll end that there. It's really difficult. You see things you'll never, you would never imagine what happened inside theaters. Um, like legal nightmare, nightmare scenarios. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like am privy to a lot of it as like the third party that like helps them document um, to get people out. So we have like affidavits and we have to take care of, it's really hard. It's just like a really, a really hard thing. And it's in, it's in, because I want people to feel like they can nourish themselves in their spaces and get out garbage people during those times where I had to do that. A lot of it over 2020 was happening and yeah. Rance was really good about being like, vocalize it here, share it here. You know, like I got out a lot with him and he empathizes and then we like neutralize. I think you're really good at that. Like you're good at being like, this fucking sucks. Me too. Me too. God, this, this guy got to go, you know, like whatever. Yeah. And then like, he's my breath. I think. This might um, be a good place to shout out for like any improvisers out there if you're like you're a piece of shit why don't you just leave <laughs> yeah <laughs> i bet i mean that's rather, the truth y'all rather than like, make everyone else deal with your bullshit like take ugh. your bullshit away or fix it before go seek go, help go seek go help. Get help yeah absolutely yeah, go get help there's no shame and like and like not bringing yeah it's, it's just really you know it, the artistry is so complicated and like a lot of people that have experienced trauma and pain come to art to heal and that's the gorgeous Mm. side and a lot of people that aren't interested in healing come to art too uh and that then they kind of like wield it um through people that don't deserve their ooh fresh prey they have to say yes and to anything exactly it's like they've taken all the tenets and twisted them to be um what a monster might do you know so it's like we, we have to really, I think that Rance has been really good for me in like kind of breathing through stuff to the point that not a lot, not, it has to be really, really bad for me to like really engage more than be kind of like, let's have a talk. You know, like I've gotten way more um, chill in that regard, I yeah. think, because I just don't want people to feel bad. So I, I just, like you get swept up sometimes. So I think that it's, I think you've been really great for me in that. 
I feel like this yeah. is a testament to what you, where you kind of started, where it's like we're always doing things together versus opposite. It's like mm. I think we re, I think we see each other and we see each other's strengths, and we we both also hold on to our own, and it's where those mm -hmm. two strengths meet is where the the vibe is. Like even just in this, where I'm like, if you're a problem, why don't you get the fuck out? And Tara's like, mm. yeah. You sh you can get help, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god! Like That's Tara's so like, funny. Tara's like, please take care of yourself, and I'm like, on your fucking bike, mate, get out of here. <laughs> uh, like, but it is funny when we switch. We every now and then, like at a blue moon, I'll be like, oh, do you really? Who the fuck does this guy think he is? Like, I'll turn into like oh, Chicago, so Chicago, fast. so Chicago, so fast. <laughs> like my accent gets worse. You can like tell everything me? is like. You're going to tell me, get the fuck out of here. Like, I start getting, like, real, like, real, like, it's an episode of The Bear or something. Really I turn fun. into, like, really, yeah. And he, and he thinks it's very funny because it's, like, wow. it's fair. Yeah, yeah. You two compliment each other so well. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. And I, and I agree. Like, it really is, like, like, I think my teaching style has definitely changed because of Tara because I, I, I like I said before, I, I would focus on the technical aspect more than the like nurturing or growth aspect and uh it's like there's still there's still some of it but like you gotta have both you gotta right? have both I mean, like, like like i want people to get proficient uh i want same. people to get better i want people to to grow but i'm not gonna be like no you fucked up two more uh yeah, like God. i'm not gonna go <laughs> old, old school chicago we came up in that yeah. system like truly le legitimately i mean like my teachers in Chicago were smoking cigs, drunk, like angrily yelling mm. two more, like screaming slurs at people that did badly in a scene and then calling two more people up. It was like, it was like, you couldn't have, if you had made a documentary about it, it would look like, it's a little much. And it's... you're like, no, this is really what I'm <laughs> like. Wow. It was really, it was bad. I mean, it was really, it, it got softer, but then it almost got too soft where people were like mm -hmm. doing breath work and saying how great everyone was. And then it was like, no, not this either. Yeah. You can't, you, you, you have to be both. You have to be both of like, there must be a, like a wild acceptance of everyone in the space. Yeah. And there also has to mm -hmm. be care for the art and proficiency, or it's just a, fucking train wreck either way it's either abusive or it's like too hippie and then nothing's getting done either yeah. way so it's like i think we really try to curate spaces that are about skills and ultimate respect and amplification of one another because then people actually get that's right they're back uh people get good at being like they they actually grow you can see them grow because there's inner trust between the cast like we do a check-in circle every scene, like every show we do, we do like backstage work to kind of make sure that there's timeouts available and stuff like that. But then we also are like, don't do this inside a show. There's an audience here. Like, you know, things like yeah. that, where it's like, how do we curate those experiences and balance yeah. everything? Just in case you're wondering, we're getting a FedEx package. That's oh. why it's so important <laughs> to protect that, that house. That is important. Rance is showing on this ring camera uh, that there's a delivery coming to our house. Yeah. And it's a big package too, big, from what big. it looks like. We're ordering yeah. all kinds of stuff for this tiny house, LD. There's like, there's a toilet, so there's things. a shower. Like, it's so, like a lot of like weird stuff mm -hmm. going up. Yeah. But then after all the craziness, there'll be that moment where you can just sit and enjoy this great house that you created. Oh, thank you. Uh, I hope so. The soft yeah. din of dogs barking in the yard. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
How was here the musical born? Oh, this is a good one. I like this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so I owe the 3541 North Clark Street place on Clark and That's Addison. The old school location for yeah. the, the, the people wondering. Uh, P.S. The names of our dogs, Clark and Addison. Yeah. Um, hey, how about that? Ah, uh, that's mean you need to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Entrance. Uh, we were at that location. Sharna Halpern was, um, uh, they, they were, they were redoing Wrigleyville. They were getting ready to tear down, um, the spot. I think Sharna's cousin owned the building and was like, I'm selling this thing. Cause it was always like, there was like leaks and the AC would stop working. And there was just constant infrastructure problems with the building. And, uh, Sharna's cousin had enough and got a good deal on like, I think it's a parking lot now. I don't even know what's there. I haven't been there uh, enough to care, um, since then. And Sharna had, the place that IO currently is now had that in the works. So we knew that the time was coming. We knew the date that was, that it was ending and she kind of opened it up to like, what are some things people want to do? And, uh, Tara and I, uh, Tara had been like pretty close friends with Sharna for a while, for a long time. Cause Tara was talking about the drunk smoking teachers. Tara left classes and then, was doing oh, yeah. some other show that Sharna was at and was like, you're funny. How, uh, why aren't you, why aren't you taking classes? And she was like, if you want me to be honest, your teachers, I was on you. stage and she asked me at another public show why I wasn't at her theater. And I was like, do you want me to tell you in front of this audience? And she said, <laughs> sure. To her credit, she said, sure. Which is actually yeah. one of the reasons I, I like really respected her then. Cause she was like, if you have critique, say it. And I was like, okay. And I told her like, I think your teachers are abusive. I don't think they're like, they're honoring the art. I don't feel safe there. And she was like, I'll, I'll let you take the highest level and I'll sponsor it. And I was like, okay. Which was really cool for me because Tara ended up joining my, uh, jump, jumping into my level four or five class, which blew me away. Cause I was like, why are you here? Like you're, you're so (laughs) like, you're you're good at all this already. And it was just because she, she bailed because the teacher said, yeah. Uh, But so like Sharon was like, what do you guys, what do you guys want to do? And we thought we've never done a two person show. Like we've never done a show together. Isn't that strange? Over Like so many years. Yeah. We've done a number of things. Like we were both in second city at the same time I was touring and he was on a boat and like, we did comedy sports together. And we did IO, like we did Deltones at a show called Chaos Theory, a Herald team that we loved. But like, we had never just done a duo or like some kind of thing like that. Yeah. So we put together a show we that I lovingly called Italian Pallions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what a great name. I do, yeah, not believe, I do not believe we marketed it, it as such, but uh, still there it was. We knew uh, what it was. Yeah. yeah. And it was a two-person musical with Dave Asher on keys. Um and uh we we did it it's kind of like a we like pitched it to be like how about closing week like you said and then it sold out it like sold out without any f like we were like oh okay it sold out the del close theater and we just did one and then uh that was like that was like i'd say the seed of it uh but the true the true um 
birth of here was we were both instructors for IO in Europe and we went to um, Estonia and Bremen, Germany and um, uh, Riga, Latvia and Copenhagen. And yes. we were like, we can do shows while we're over there. Hey, let's do, do this show keys? and just yeah. see if they have keys. And it was, it was kind of weird at first because two of the cities had a keyboard player and two didn't. So it was like, uh, two of them were just sort of like figuring out a two person show, but of like the cities that had yeah. music, uh, it was even more magical to just tell someone like, Hey, you're going to play, uh, you're going to play the, the music. It should follow emotion more than genre. And it's 50, 50, we're leading you and you're leading us. Let's do it. And that became the, that became the birth of it. Cause it was so cool to have like those musicians just do what they could. Uh, yeah. and, and really have like, it's fun to have no rehearsal and still come away with uh, a show. It wow, was, it amazing. was so cool. Yeah. It was such a cool thing to kind of have ultimate trust and like random, we still do that to this day in, touring the show. Now we've been to 24 countries and I think 85 cities with that show. And mm -hmm. it's our preference that we're like, Hey, we don't want to meet you be until before the show, we trust you. And it's like, you can see musical directors that are like magicians in their own right of like, they will totally light up and be like, I can play what I feel rather than like, I think a lot of musical improv at its, at its impetus had, a, had like, this is the big song and this is the ballad and this is the block. Like we were like, we yeah. don't care. You don't have to play like a ska song in the middle. It's like, that'd be impossible by the way. <laughs> but I was like, you know, it was just, it was fun and free to be like, if you feel something, we want you to play that. And we will, you are our third person. Um, mm -hmm. And it was it, like, it was at that time, it was really new to, to do that. I think yeah. when we started. And yeah. we've really like seen some, like we've had a lot of magical moments because of it. I remember there's this, uh, this musician in, I think it was Houston. That was, Oh like, yeah. I remember who was like a very talented musician who was helping him. Yeah. Yeah. And was kind of like, like imagine that you're super gifted and maybe the, the only, I'm not saying this is what it was. This is just an example. I don't know what the level is there, but like, imagine Same. that you were like classically trained and talently gifted and knew how to play awesome in every genre. And all you were doing was playing hoedowns. Uh, like, yeah, like he, <laughs> kind yes, of like, yes, yes. he kind of assumed when we were, when he was like, we explained it and he's like, okay. And then on the first, uh, first song he played Tara and her goddamn beautiful pipes go rocking. Oh. And he was, I, I heard him on the side be like, Oh, and then he did like, like he was he like, like Oh, up. we can fucking go. All right, let's go. And he, he leaned yeah. hard into it. It was such a magical show. He like, I think at the end of that show, I still remember, that's funny out of all the shows we've done rants. I still remember this. He like ran up to us at the end and like bear hugged us and lifted us up. Like he yeah. was like, oh, oh wow. Crazy. Like this is like, this is what it can be. And I like that kind of stuff is the stuff that you, you know, you hold that forever where it's yeah. like, everyone's playing. Everyone's like, this is magic. Like this feels, this feels magical. The overlap of people like choosing something together and like it only lives tonight and it dies tonight. It was like, that's the kind of stuff we want to feel yeah. inside our show for sure. But even with the musical director, just to be like, we can do whatever we want. Like we can create whatever mm -hmm. we want tonight. And I think he's right. He did like sit forward. It was like, all of a sudden yeah. it was like, huh? Like, oh, hell no, yeah. I, We're gonna yeah. I think it. I remember him the most because he very 
like verbally in yeah, the show was, okay. was like, oh, okay. Like, just like, a, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And he's just a symbol of like, we've had a lot of cool things that we didn't expect to go well. We're like, someone's like, can I play guitar? You're like, yeah. Or they like bring out a harmonica. Oh and you're God. like, okay. Like, like, yeah. Like we should be as pliable as they are. You know, I mean, that's sort of the, we, again, like I would keep saying precious, but it is sort of like, you don't want to be too precious about the things you think should happen because it's tonight it's right. something else. And like, we know people always ask us what our format is because we're, we're now like known as the original two person improvised musical. So people are always kind of like, what do you do? Um, and we're like, we do what is happening tonight. We do yeah, we the magic that happens tonight. <laughs> like we, yeah, like, yeah. you're like, what? Like, you know, it's not, I think that's sort of the fun of it. We know a loose structure. It's the same thing we were saying at the beginning of this podcast that like, we know a loose thing that often happens. Um, yeah. And that's our, that's our way of getting back on track to, together, but it doesn't have to happen. We've had a lot of weird shows and they've been like the ones we remember, you yeah. know, that's the ones we remember the best are like, remember that show where we, we had a show once we where we went live inside the show on phones. Do you remember that sh- that scene? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh no way. Yeah, like we went like, like Facebook the... Live yeah. to be like characters. To be like this whole thing's fucked up, and like it was streaming on our Facebooks as characters from each other's phones. Yeah, it was like and Tara. Then... Tara's character was so like selfie involved. Yeah, it was it like was affecting our character's it. relationship. So I literally got on live because it was the only way that I could get through to her. To like listen yeah. to me. And then the audience started getting on live to like get through to me to get through to him. So it was like a fun, like hundreds of people. Oh, wow. Everyone was like playing along, you know? And like that kind of stuff is like what we want, where it's like, you know, in a in a regular show as improv teachers, we'd never be like, get out your real phone. This is like an insane idea to like, you know, like but yeah. it's tonight, that night it was right. And it was like influential and exciting to be like, what if we fuck with everyone we know that can see us anywhere in the world and they are like what are they doing like yeah. it just seemed like kind of performance art you know and it was it was so fun but stuff like that is like what we live for where it's like this is a weird one tonight or like break the audience fourth wall or we go out and join them or something you know something unusual yeah and if we're doing math if we're doing a, a street yeah. uh, we just like we get, we understand why forums are important. We understand they that are important. everyone on the same yeah. page. And we're also like, we're sort of like uh hashtag blessed that we can, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, we have so, we have so much Herald and organic Herald training that if we're not finding uh, a shiny pattern show up in here, it probably leans Herald where it's like some scenes and then those scenes come back. Yeah. So we do have a pattern that, that shows up for us. And if it's not a strong new pattern, then it's probably a, a vibe we've, we've been through before so we can find it. Uh, but we're not like stuck to it. We're not like, okay, when uh, in scene three, uh, did you uh, like this? We make yeah. sure that we do the ballad. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the, one of the many things that I love about here, the musical is that, um, and there are a lot of things I love about it. Aww. But one of the main things I love so much about it is that it's one of the few shows that I've seen where you are daring to be lovely. Aww. And I think you get kind of what I mean by that because <laughs> you, you've seen this before. There, there are so many uh, improvisers where scenes are like, 
you're a bitch, you're an asshole and scene, you know? Yeah. But what I love so Comedy much is that goals. you two. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. <laughs> I believe it was Del Close that said that. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, but no, really, I, I love how, you know, every time I see you guys, it's these lovely characters that are making these lovely connections all the time. And that always warms my heart. And I have to ask, is that by design or, is it, or does that always naturally happen for the two of you? Wow. Mm. I mean, I don't, that's so, A, that's so nice. This is just, a, I think this podcast is just making us feel great. So thank you for gassing us up. Uh, but yeah. also. Uh, is like, that all it's for? Is this even going anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> is this an positive intervention? Prank. This is a positive Positive prank podcast. Uh, <laughs> I, do, I do think it is, it, how about this? It is something that we teach and may by accident be, not, not by accident, but like we may be embodying because we teach it. I think one of the first things we do in our higher level core curriculum classes is, is insist that people uh drop conflict and play more peas in a pod or like mm-hmm. um and anyone that doesn't have that language like chicago that's very chicago terms but like peas in the pod or same boat scenes meaning like these people often chose to be together so even if they're different why are they here is like kind of a nice yeah. way of thinking about relationship scenes that we do because we certainly play a lot of different characters that aren't um structurally the same but they certainly makes sense in the same room um and, and i wonder with, if that's like the comedy of it yeah we've played scenes that are like you're a bitch you're an asshole TM, yeah hashtag Del Close. yeah uh, but, but that are <laughs> that uh but also in those in those other other people doing those types of scenes they kind of like lock into that and then it just becomes uh-huh. budding two heads budding against yes. each other whereas Correct. if tara and i do it uh like the thing that we'll often say is if you're going to be mad at each other, can you be open to change? Yes. Like, like mm. you suck. No, you suck. You suck. Uh, well, you suck because of this. Oh shit. Did I do that? Yeah. Like, yeah. If yeah. You can be open to the, like, Oh, I didn't even realize that's why you think I suck. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Like, like, then it changes. like yeah, it changes. And additionally, I think also we're not afraid to embody the choice that we've been labeled, which I think is what, younger maybe maybe like not even younger but maybe just people that are kind of like hanging on to their own agendas like improvisers may be doing is that it's like if you um yes like the royal yes and is really the discovery of actors agreeing so it's not this idea that like the characters must agree is that the actors agree upon whatever's true so like if if rance and i are in a scene and he's like you're a fucking asshole. I'm like, yes, I am. I don't even have to say the words. Yes, I am. I'm kind of like, what me? Tell me why. Is it because I stole your car last night? It's like you lean into the label because that mm-hmm. becomes more joyful. And that's nice that you called it lovely. Cause I think that even when we are hideous characters or like ridiculous characters or whatever it may be, comedic, silly, insane people. It's like they there must be a truth to the like they both can't be wrong. And I think that when you see actors hanging on to agenda, that's when that fighting happens and they start getting like, yeah. no, 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 no. And I don't mean the literal word no, but it's more like we don't agree upon the the premise or idea for the scene yeah. because no one's embodying the truth of what we've been told we are. So like we're, I think we've gotten pretty good at being like, okay, I'll play that. We have thousands of improv scenes to do tonight on this. You know, it's like not yeah. being so worried about one scene. And maybe that's what happens when you're younger too. You have less shows. So you're like, I want to get this one right. 
and it's more about like right tonight this is like only one moment it's a present yeah. moment for whatever just, this is right yeah, yeah. Like, like uh it's probably one of my it's becoming my main pet peeve but it's now currently one of my pet peeves is watching people try to shove their idea down their partner's throat correct. and ignoring oh, everything yeah. their partner's saying i'm just like Course, if correct. I, anytime like i have a, like a trigger two trigger words and those words are look and listen if someone says that at the beginning of their sentence as if there's a comma after it and then their idea they're trying to cram down your throat mm. like you can be like look and i know what's going to happen look means look i don't really care about your idea because i can't let mine go so i'm going to shove mm -hmm. it down your throat and never yep. give up on it it's like totally i don't give a shit about your situation just like yeah yeah situation too i think that that might be what it is is like if you're clinging to situation you may not be open to what is happening it's like you want to agree upon history or premise of the scene rather than find the truth with each other so a lot of it is just that that for us i think is the joy of the show is like who's this guy like who are yeah. we playing mm -hmm. you know like what am I tonight? And being like fine with it is such a big, it really is like so vulnerable. This art form is so vulnerable. It's either it not is. vulnerable or it is, you know, it's like, it's like the place where you can be the least vulnerable too. If you're just kind of making jokes and selling out your scene partners. But if you're doing it in a, on a, on a high level where you actually have like figured out what the tenets of this art form are, yeah. it's the most vulnerable. It's like, okay, whatever you're telling me I am, I'm going to say cool. And that is, we're going to discover more together. And we have like a bunch of, um, we have a bunch of like graphics on our theater walls. We have like little quotes up and stuff just to kind of like make people kind of remember to check in with themselves. And we have a Venn diagram all over our theater of just like you and I entering the space and pinging off of each other is not the goal. It is the overlap. The overlap is the truth tonight. And so like mm. if we make a third thing, that is an improv show. If we made one or two separate things, that isn't really an improv show. It's sort of you coming in and doing stand up at somebody. And that's not like what we want tonight. We want to see the overlap yeah. of the third thing created. That like vulnerability yeah. too is like, that's where all of this crap comes from of like, I'm too scared to let go of reins of this premise in my head to just listen to you. And they, if we don't, if you don't let yourself get to the point of trusting and building with your partner, then you will, you'll never get to the point of realizing once we get to that Venn diagram and that overlap, the actual situation will present itself that we both understand yes. and not the one that's in my head that I'm trying to force you to understand. Rand said a cool thing in class uh, like uh, years ago and it always stuck in my head. I don't even know if you remember saying it, but he always says premise will always show up to the party. And I think that that is like, that is right. Like mm. if you've done the work well with the characters, the adventure will show up inside the scene but you don't need it first. You don't need to be like the factory's burning down. It's like no one, it's like, we don't know who these people are yet. You know, like it might, I think you, you've done a good job of kind of introducing rants that a lot of like every, every scene is like the potential of a good pilot. It's like, it's like we should care about these people before yeah. they have their adventure. Yeah. 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 The premise is an invited guest to the party, not a party crasher. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I have gotten to speak to a lot of people who experience the improv retreat and they always talk about how they come out of there changed for the better oh. and what an incredible experience it is. Uh, we, and we kind of talked about it in the beginning of this, 
Um, what has this experience been like running this retreat and meeting hundreds of improvisers that are just out in the woods and in cabins and creating together? What has that experience been like for you two? It's crazy. It's uh, it crazy. is like it's great while it's happening, and it is a lot of work to set up. It's a lot of work. It's. it's I'm sure it is. I'll, I'll like just just to handle the administrative part first because that's the boring part. It's in. It, it really helped us learn how to curate a theater. I'll say that because like we got good at mm, being like, yeah. how do we have these permissions and what licenses do we need and do we do we like how do we make sure that people can physically and emotionally get around this camp and how can we make sure that there's enough resources for eating eating and like you know housing people and it's just like a lot of like stuff. It's a lot of emails. It's a lot of like weird questions. <laughs> prior because people are like am i really getting dumped in the woods and you're like kind of yeah i mean like it's a weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like someone this year came in fact uh shout out to kunal and uh a new camper came this <laughs> past this year it was like i thought this was a scam and we thought it was a scam. <laughs> it became like the joke of camp that we were like scam scam like you know constantly because he was like you don't we don't reveal the address before because of an insurance liability so we have to like tell them the week of like we tell them where they're going but then it's like a specific address and location as it shifts or whatever. So he was like, I just, you know, I paid money. And then I was like, I don't know. You know, my friends from New York were kind of like, is it real? Uh, and we just thought that was the funniest because it is, it does seem like that. Um, but the camp itself is truly one of the most bohemian. Um, I don't bohemian yet professional things. I don't know. I don't know that I know many things like it. It was, it was conjured in a like drug soaked, hospital stay for me um when I was diagnosed with heart failure um and I I just was like really reflecting upon my time you know when you're faced with like life life altering things I was in the hospital for like a week maybe maybe seven to ten days in Chicago and I was sort of reflecting upon what Chicago was missing um and I and I again I was really fortunate and had hundreds of friends that were awesome and et cetera, et cetera, doing cool shows all the time but I was really reflecting upon the idea of like, I think when you look to get professional um, professional work out of this art form, which is great, you also kind of lose sight of the thing that your child body wanted, which was connection. So mm. like, there's like, oh, I just want to be with people that are like me or like in a, in a, in a space where we're playful and joyful and like not worried about if Lauren is here tonight, you know, like whatever, like that kind of thing. <laughs> right, and yeah. like, you kind of like start to get like, Oh fuck. Like the Colbert reporters here recruiting. You start to get like, you lose the, like, I get to be with my friends tonightness. So, um, it was conjured in this sort of like drug fueled <laughs> of the hospital of me being like, what if I made a thing that, you know, like, like uh, where everyone could just be together and like, not worry if they had eyes on them for the weekend was sort of the idea of like, can we do high level professional Chicago style shows and have um, clinicians and workshop givers, facilitators come in and be counselors and really be there with us. Not like, not like they come in and dip and they tell, you know, do, do their three hours. It was like, let's all be together at a campfire and like, remember why we want to be, I almost want to cry. Like why, why we want to be like happy people or like what draws you to art. And like, if we're there for four days, does something change? And, um, it totally did. I, yeah. I think that like, I told, like I told you earlier, LD, like when Rance was helping the dogs, I, I told Rance first as I my friend, it. I was like, What'd you say? I missed it because of the dog. It's okay. I'll say it again. Like <laughs> I went to Ransom and was like, hey, um, 
is this a horrible idea? Because I didn't know of anything like it at the time. And uh, I just was like, is it crazy to gather like a hundred people in the woods and have them be together all weekend that are from wherever? And he was like, it's a great idea. And I didn't know that Rance had this camp background at that time. So I was like, huh? Because I knew him as like a little like cave performer that liked being inside. So like, And you, and you probably uh, did know that I tend to lean pessimistic more than optimistic yeah, so truly like <laughs> yeah, that's, but that's yeah. why I went to Rance more than like any other friends I had at the time because I think I thought like he'll be straight with me about like this could have some hiccups and this and that and he was like this is a great idea and I was like oh so then I just knew that everything after that was just going to be minutiae of like the day-to-day of getting that happening and I went and scouted camps and like found these resources and stuff but it was so hard and then the first day I, um, we built a website. My brother helped me like get things live and, and, um, I launched it and I figured like maybe 25, 50 people will sign up if we can like really push. And at the end of the first day, it was like a hundred. And I was like, Oh fuck. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I need a bigger camp. I need to like, you know, like I, I I, like kept growing everything and kept, this can't be a scam anymore. Yeah. This can't be a scam anymore. (laughs) I kept like calling the resource, like the places we were at the host facility and being like, can you add 10 more? Can I add 10 more? Can I get another part of the campground? Can I keep folding out? And the first year, I think it was 230 people. Um, and I was like, I don't, I, this is fine. But like, this is going to be, uh, I have to cap it and I have to stop it here. Um, since then we've reduced it to like 125 to 150 and it is ideal at that spot. But like, because you can actually visit with every single person that's there. But I think the need for resources like this was so big. And that just that once a year dunk into remembering why your why and also being surrounded by people that like, like this year we had our, some of our best friends were there, you know, where it's like Namdi yeah. Nguay, who's like our, one of our best friends in the world. He married us. Like he's one of our best friends in the world. Patrick Roland, one of our best friends in the world. Like these people like came in and they're like, they're writing for the Ruffin, Amber Ruffin show now, but like, they're just our dumb friends that we love. So like all these like high level resources are available to people, but it's also like, they'll do bits by campfire because they are the same. They are, you have to be in order to be a counselor, you have to be kind and you have to be good. And like, that's the rule. Like you can't be just good. You have to be the kind of person that will like breathe through somebody. If they're like having a moment at a campfire, you know, like it it can't, it's, it's, it's just so, it's so interesting to watch people like turn into truly like evolved children. It feels like yeah. that kind of level of play, and by the, the end, by the first so night, people too. are like crying. It's it's really beautiful. Yeah, the support is so big from from the whole group, and that's something that Tara curates really well. And we we strive to have like everyone be like really supportive of everybody, and because of that, like all those breakthroughs you're talking about, or people who've come back changed, is because they're inundated with pure support for three days. Which, yeah. uh, which, that's not enough. But what it does is it makes them push through that like vulnerability bubble that they've been holding on to. It makes them push through their like, I have to have this premise to survive, or push through this. I have to perform this one way to do this right, uh, and just play and try and do stuff different than how they do. It. If nothing else, realize what they're stuck in. And yes, 
have an opportunity to break out of it. And if they don't take that opportunity to break out of it at camp, at least they're now aware of yes. what uh, what's holding them back to advance in this thing. We, we've had so many people go back from camp and be like, my shows are so much better because I'm, I'm present. I, like it's like something kind of opens up or unlocks in them that makes them start viewing their cast as contemporaries and artists and poets and geniuses. And then they're like, Oh, I, I forgot, you know, like I just was like trying to get through my Friday show, you know, or that kind of thing where we lose all the joy. And it just, it's like really they, they go back to camp and they're like, I, it's all here now. Like it's all open to me. So that's really rewarding seeing people go home again and like bring a piece of camp with them. I think, and, you know, like that energy of camp, but also it's, it's just so, it's so cool to see it change and evolve too, because I, I, I think that we have a way of accepting each other in, you know, when you're wearing like a sweatshirt and like, and like your hair's like smells like, like leaves and you're like, right taking notes in the little notebook and not on your phone and like I, I think something happens to people on a cellular level that makes them start to like care about each other differently because they're like really taking each other in and we have yeah. ways of protecting people it's like take a take a walk for a second and, like go get a breath it's a lot of art all at once and it's a lot of people i mean like 150 yeah. people up in your like space is a lot so we have ways of like taking we have a lot of like things in um in the program of like how we take manage take care of energy um, which is really fun too. And like, it's just, a, it's so many bits and so many jokes. And mm. in the last couple of years too, it's been cool to see, like we have a giant queer jam. We have a giant BIPOC jam and it's like, it's not just five people out of 130. It's like 30 people, you know, it's like, like they're big. It's mm. like that, like major percentages of the camp are falling into these categories where you'll see like, you know, the people that are traditionally honored on stages, like cis white people are like, holy shit. Like I've never just sat down to watch and enjoy a show that I'm not in, you know, like I'm not, my, my face isn't there. And then they realize that their face is there because they're sharing it with humans. And <laughs> it's like, it's like, Oh, yeah. it's so beautiful. It's like, yeah, your face is up there because we're all the fucking same, like take care of each other. You know, it's, it's just so many life lessons all in a very short span of time. And, um, people also, you think will never, what'd you say? Speaking of life lessons, like if if you're noticing that we're 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 missing a uh, a cis white jam, um, that's been going on since the '50s. So yeah, you're, you're okay. You're okay. You've had your time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every time we always have like one person that comes in new. That's always kind of like, well, where's the jam for me? And I'm like, the jam for you is called improv everywhere for the history of time. You know, like, like you can probably let like the women plus non-binary people have a show. You know, like whatever, right. like things like that. Um, yeah, what a shame that more cis white people aren't represented, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we can. We're okay. Uh, you know, as got a it. cis white male, I want an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. it really is like it is so wild that like probably in those spaces first where people are have their guard down a little bit differently than a professional stage i think mm. that they do actually see other shows than what they would naturally gravitate towards the performing and then they're like oh like i don't know like it, it's just nice to see people accept that everyone has the same uh, they, they, everyone has stuff to say and it's like shared experiences are unilateral it, it doesn't it, it's just it's wild to me to see people kind of wake up to that but every year you kind of catch more people that understand on a deeper level that it's like necessary work you know so it's 
it's it there's I could go on forever only about the improv retreat because I'm always sure every year I'm not going to do it and then <laughs> and then like the next year we have like a hundred people being like what are you doing you know like they get so mad so we're like okay fine um and then when we go we're like we'll never not do this like every year we leave like everyone's in a pile crying and hugging and being like I'm going to be a better human and you're like well I guess we should keep doing this yeah. you know like that's, yeah that's the case yeah. Um, man, I love you two so much. Back at you. Back <laughs> at you. I almost want to interview you because I bet you don't get to be interviewed, but it's like, it, it's just so nice to talk to you anyway. I have a question for you, so, LD. How lucky did you, sure. how lucky did you feel when you walked into a store and saw that shirt on the rack? Yeah. LD has a- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went to the one store that was selling an LD Madeira magic t-shirt and I'm like, <laughs> oh, what are Thank the God I look like that guy. I should get that shirt. <laughs> Can you imagine uh, if they're like, I hope we find him? Because <laughs> we only made one of these. <laughs> no, actually, believe it or not, uh, this was actually a gift from my wife. Uh, we have a friend who is making T-shirts. And my wife reached out to him and was like, can you please make a, Aww. here's his logo. Can you please make a T-shirt for him? That's, cool. That's so cool. She's cool. Oh, she, Erica's totally cool. The coolest, the coolest woman I've, I've ever met. Yeah. You were little lovers too, you little lovers. <laughs> oh shucks. <laughs> you little lovers. Yeah. This is so, like, this is a treat. Thank you so much. And yeah, and I, I can't believe you wrote out that dog segment. So thank you so much for everyone uh, and anyone listening. Oh, the dogs are staying in for sure. Hell yeah. yeah. But I don't know how they could be yeah. out. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's gonna be hard to edit those guys out. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe but I so, made it through the dog part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so now, today, as you look back on everything that the two of you have gone through and how you've grown and what you've seen and both the beautiful and the ugly that you've experienced, what reflections do you have looking at your journeys and seeing where you are now? Hmm. Hmm. Gosh. I think, I think a reflection I have is that like, um, in the most positive way, nothing matters meaning that like like there are there's always going to be something that will happen good or bad you don't need to you don't need to necessarily strive towards because either could happen anytime it's good to have, it's like great to have an idea and great to have a thing. Let's plan this camp and what have you. But like, there's uh, like to, to embrace the joy as it hits you rather than constantly be missing the joy and to deal with the travesties that happen rather than constantly be worried about the travesties that could happen. Uh, is is what I'm getting at there. I guess pretty a, a pretty Zen thing. Like, can you stay in the moment and not uh, not be depressed about the past or anxious about the potential futures that will will or will not happen? Uh, whatever happens is going to happen, and if if you accept that it's going to happen, then you can deal with it better in the moment when it happens. That's a great answer. We, I think that's especially true for us yeah. as theater owners. I mean, it's it's interesting. Like, 
going from basically like performing artists that are luckily and graciously accepted into every space. We luckily still get to do that a lot, but like being people that are founders of a theater and making sure like little things are kind of dealt with every day has been a very stressful part of our lives that we didn't really foresee going on forever. Meaning like, you know, we kind of thought like we opened the theater and then it's open and then it's like, Oh yeah, we have to like do all the minutia that, that you don't think to do. And, and it really is like a task oriented, stressful kind of business to be in, especially through COVID, you know, like just even that we haven't even talked about the closure and stuff, but like, just like making yeah. sure that doors can remain open for an artistic community that trusts you implicitly is like an incredible um, amount of stress and, a, and an incredible gift because it gives you purpose and it also is terrifying. So like being okay with the idea of like, we don't know what's next and we're okay. We're like, just always like breathing through those moments. It really is improv la- like parallels. Of course, it's like the same kind of thing, but I think we're like that more in our lives. I also think that Rance and I have gotten more and more, um, authentically ourselves over the past couple of years. Yeah. And, uh, not that we were hiding ourselves by any means, but I think that we were sort of like making, you know, you have to be a certain kind of something to like own a business or like to go on site and be like the talent or whatever it might be. And I think we're getting better at being like, this is who we are and you like us or, you know, we, we, we aren't going to adjust uh, like our expectations of what we can be on site because I think it's more important for people to see authenticity modeled um, then to worry about whether like you're, I don't know, fully professional. I think we were like, I think we, we are professional, but it's just, it's just nice to kind of step more into authenticity of like, I like these things and this is what I am. And it's okay. If like, that's, that's not like a typical CEO, we're not CEOs, you know, like we're yeah. performers. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's just trying to model that behavior for people to step into themselves too, because we get to be we, we are so grateful and fortunate to be on stage. We get to be in front of hundreds of people every week. So it's like, I guess you look to those people, whether you should or shouldn't. It's like you want to see authenticity so that you have the bravery for yourself. You know, you see what you, you are what you see, or you like, you, you can model what you see. So um, I've really enjoyed that too. In addition to what Rant said of just like being okay with being me and taking however many decades to do that, you know, like really not worrying about if it's okay. Amazing. Amazing. Here's my final question. And uh, I always ask this question at the end. And (laughs) as they lean forward in interest. And uh, I'll I'll let you have a choice. You could choose to both of you answer this question individually, or you can answer this together. What is the one piece of advice that has served you too well that you want everyone else to hear? My immediate answer is don't open a theater. <laughs> <laughs> you thought it was going to be like beautiful. I love that we're like, it's going to be really gorgeous, this answer. And then Rance is like, stop what you're doing and don't. <laughs> like, if you love performing, find a way to do it. But if if you're like, I should, if you want to be like, here's, here's where my improv brain is right now. Uh, it's July 1st, which means I have to schedule the fire extinguishers to be checked and certified for the next okay. year. Improv. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, he is. there he is. Did someone tell you not to start a theater? I'm just curious. I did. Yeah. 
I did now. That is that is the first one. No, no one, no one ever, never, no one ever told me that. Um, I was just curious if maybe someone, I can see someone in Chicago actually saying that, to, like various owners saying that because it is it is a lot hairier than you would expect. And I don't want to dissuade someone from yeah. making art in their space, but it is it's a lot if you're doing if you have a dedicated space. I'll say that. Yeah. Not like just a throwing up shows. Do that all the time, but like dedicated spaces are their their own thing. Um, yeah. And what was the question? I got so tied up in, in, in fire extinguishers. It was like, <laughs> I'll, I'll repeat the question. I'll repeat the question. Uh, what's the one piece of advice that has served you well that you want everyone else to hear? I, I know one that I, like, I, I don't know who said this, but it certainly was like kind of, um, it was said through the vine many times when I was like, when things were sort of altering and changing in Chicago is that, uh, no one needs another blank. They need you. Oh yeah. Um, mm. And I feel like that's something that we definitely say now. So I'm, I, I don't think there's any like specific author to give credit to, but it's, it is the truth of where comedy is going. And I don't think that like, I think people get so caught up in replicating what's worked for someone else. This is not a linear path. You're not going to med school. Like it's, it's not like you do this law school and then you clerk and then you go become a lawyer at X. It's like the, you do art and then maybe you pick one of these lanes and then maybe that lane permits another lane. And maybe you think you should mimic someone that's done those things, but it's like, well, I mean, you can kind of like look up to people or like talk to them and kind of cut the gatekeeping for yourself, but you shouldn't ever mimic anyone else. You're you. Like, I think it's important for everyone to have their own voice and find what's funny and beautiful to them. And that, yeah. I love seeing less and less of people kind of be like, I have to do, you know, I have to get on a tour co at second city because that's what you do to get X. It's like, well, I, now you can just go make a fucking TikTok if you want. I mean, like, it doesn't matter. It just like, I, I, Rance knows this, but around 2016, I like very, I think it was 2014, actually. I very brazenly was like, kill the gatekeepers. There are no fucking gatekeepers. Go make your own shit. It's going to die. I was like really hardcore about it. I have no mm. idea why. I have no idea why I got in this like soapbox of like, go make your own stuff. Don't worry who's watching. Make it. Just go make what you want to make or do what you want to do. And then and I said it again around 2019 and then the pandemic happened. And it was like, oh my God, everything we've known to be the thing that was like the thing you had to do is now like literally closed. So mm -hmm. everyone had to be like, wait, do I even want to do that? Like everyone kind of started to question their own behaviors because they were like looking to do some track rather than doing the things that spoke to them and enjoy and i think people are so much better now at being like well i don't like that or i like i don't want to do that i want to do this or i like i want to make x because it speaks to me and my soul and not like i have to do you know whatever this project because someone will see me it's like you could have people see you in five minutes if you go make a fucking tiktok or whatever like a youtube channel it doesn't matter anymore so I think it's really beautiful that people are kind of stepping more into their authenticity in that way too. And I, I love, I love that like general idea. I don't know if it's an expression of just like, people need you, people need your voice because they haven't seen you yet. So yeah. like when we mimic other people, you're just, you're just a copy of a copy. Don't do that. Funny that you, you mentioned yeah. Jim Carrey and the mask. Cause that's like <laughs> all you heard back then was like smoking. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. yeah. And we learn, yeah. we learn by watching people and maybe like, I guess it's a really normal thing. Like babies like mimic to learn and that's, that's okay. But like, when is the time where you put that down 
and start to say like, now who am I? Because I've gotten the confidence to do, you know, yeah. like, I think that's a really important stage of, of yeah. artistry. Oh, absolutely. That just remind me, I have, I have, I had one, now I have two because of what Tara just said. Uh, the first yes. one ties into everything that we like go for, which is just like, start with emotion and the rest will follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was taught by Dan back at all. It was my level three teacher at IO. And he said that and nobody believed him. Uh, we we're all like, uh, he's like, start with the mo- I just, all I ever do is start with emotion and you start with emotion, you'll find it. And, and everyone took it as like, yeah, but, but then how is it funny? Okay. Like, uh, yeah. How's it funny? And, and like, right. and I like, there's a lot, there's so many like notes we've discovered as we teach forever that are like, uh, they're like slow burn notes where it's like two years mm-hmm. later, you're going to be like, Oh shit, this is just like so-and-so said. And like, mm-hmm. it takes you two years to get it. And that's what that note was of, of like, I'd still like try to be funny instead of just leaving yeah. the emotion. And the other one that Tara just made me uh, remember is a thing that um, Mick Napier said in a, a workshop once was there's a point where you have to decide when you're done being the student. And, oh yeah, uh, I love and that. Like, when are mm. when are you when are you going to choose to be the master of what you're doing rather than just the student? Which is important yes. for everyone because I've seen a lot of talented performers who are still kind of in the like I need to take classes mode and it's not that you shouldn't take classes but it's like No, you should. Yeah. You can feel the vibe of I'm not good enough. I must I need to take classes versus I have everything I need and I just need to like prove it to myself that I can, this is my style. Uh, yeah. Like you never stop learning, but taking ownership of space is a really important part of like, I learned more probably being a young teacher than I did as a student, because I yeah. remember being like, I have to now figure out a way that I didn't like the teachers that didn't teach me what I know now, I have to figure out a way to like better disclose that information to my students. So I'm like, sort of like, I'm the catalyst. And that made me learn more too. It was like, this wasn't explained in a way that I understood it. So I'm going to try to explain it in a way that I would have understood it. And then you see, like, you start becoming better at things. And like Grant said, it doesn't mean you shouldn't always be interested and studious, but it's like, I think especially for people that aren't, aren't like the traditional improv school teacher it can be especially hard for like a femme bodied or BIPOC or differently abled teacher, non-cis, like what, like I think it'd be really scary for them to be like, I'm going to try to lead something um, because it, it's not what you see. And it's like, you're right. Like that's an important lesson for all of us, what Rand said, but also for people that don't have the generosity of knowing that they should be curating a space like that, that like weird wink of like, well, obviously a white straight guy is your improv teacher. It's like, well, you know, it's nice to make sure that people know that like once they've taken like years and years of classes and done like hundreds of shows, well, it might be time to kind of be like, how can I help? What do I do now? So that I, I see things differently through my lens too, like to serve yourself as well as the students. You know, it's like, that's an important part of what this is. <laughs> what a great little tune. Is that the dog's call? Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that might be the line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me end this by saying that Oh, oh, that's the dogs again. <laughs> do not disturb. How is that possible? What is why, happening on this podcast? Why aren't you answering my I, calls, Tara? 
I don't know. I'm sorry I'm answering you. I, that's just me, you know. That's who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will end by saying that oftentimes there are two people who you see and you think those people should absolutely not be together. And there are two people that you see and you think, uh, yeah, they could work out. But then there's two people that you see where you're like, they are absolutely meant to be together because they're perfect for each other. And that's definitely you two. Oh, oh my God. Thank you. I was so nervous. <laughs> you were going to make us the first one. Out. <laughs> yeah, we're going to announce that we are getting uh, divorced. <laughs> yeah. oh. No way, he's the best. Each of you are taking one dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tara, gets yeah. Tara, Rance, thank you so much. I have enjoyed this so much. I love you us both. Love Can't you. thank you enough for this. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for you. letting us love each other and you and everyone else. This is a beautiful little podcast you got. Thank you. Oh, oh, oh. this was definitely a special experience huge thanks to tara and rance for sharing their story with me they never cease to amaze and inspire me and i hope all of you listening feel inspired as well and if you are please visit their website nesttheater.com to learn more about the nest theater in ohio and to learn more about Hear the Musical. And if you're interested in attending the Improv Retreat, please visit theimprovretreat.com to learn more about the experience and how to register. And don't forget to visit my website, togetherbymyself.com, where you can learn more about my solo improv show, Together By Myself. Look for me on YouTube at Together By Myself and LD Madera Magic. Feel free to contact me if you'd like me to perform together by myself at your venue. And you can also contact me for magic shows for all sorts of occasions. Once again, thank you so much, Tara and Rance. And thanks to all of you out there for listening. Know that I appreciate all of you and wish you all nothing but the best. Take care and see you next time on Improv and Magic. Improv and Magic.